Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's share. Tonight is share number 59 with the Let's Get Real program with Coach Menachem Bernfeld and uh, Baruch Hashem. The share is doing amazing and it's growing. I, I'm going to talk about some stuff that came up. Again, I want to start first thanking everybody for coming on every week and for telling people about it and sending it up you know, on the WhatsApp, WhatsApps and letting people know who's coming on every week and people post it on their status. People have been sending it around to friends and this and every week. And every week... Um, you know, more and more people know about it. And um, actually, there's going to be an article coming out of the Mishwaka magazine about the program. So uh, it should be pretty interesting to be a little, uh, little tidbit in- interview and uh, all the other stuff that we're working on to really make it grow. So that's number one. All the people watching the video on YouTube, please click on the, on the like button and click on the smash, the, the subscriber button to Coach Menachem and uh, sign up. And every week when the new video come, gets put out, you'll get, you'll get it also. I want to start off first with thanking our advertising sponsors every week that promote us on all the channels. A special thank you to the Lakewood School for promoting us here every week in Lakewood and for letting everybody in our home base know about who's coming on. A special thank you to Rabbi Yaniv and Chazak. Rabbi and Yaniv, um, Chazak first will offer the program for all. For more information to be part of the revolution, go visit Chazak.org. Tonight's program was made possible by Chazak. Right, Rabbi? Right? Rabbi called me up on Sunday. He said, I have a speaker for you, even though he's still not here, Ravi, I appreciate it. But Ravi from Chazak uh, made, the, made the connection and he said he could have made it happen. So I go to Yashkoyak, Ravi, really appreciate it. And uh, if he doesn't come on to speak, Mr. Shem, Ravi, you will be taking over tonight, I'm just letting you know. So prepare your speech. Um, and a special thank you also to Chayla Kalfin and Shmuel Summer from JCF, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us across all the digital platforms. So uh, I want to give a special thank you to them. Again, for anybody who's been here the first time, every Sunday night we do the share over here on this uh, Zoom ID at 10 o'clock at night. And we have the Rabbonim, therapists, very interesting topics. And we have huge, huge year coming up. Um, I'm going to tell you about next week's share. So I'll start with that, but I'm not going to give you all the surprises. I want to talk a little bit about this weekend. Um, I went away. So now we have time to talk so I could just talk as much as I want. Um, this weekend, I just came back Mamash literally two hours ago. I was by an amazing, amazing Shabbaton. Menachem came with me last time. This time, I didn't go with Menachem. The, pro- the program is called Kesher Nafshi. It's for families that are dealing with uh, the kids or struggling kids. And uh, I went there. There was tremendous Shabbos of Chizuk and um, knowledge. It's run by, you know, the biggest speakers. Uh, you know, there's a list. I can't even read. You know, there's a list of 30, 40 people that come there for Shabbos. And it's run by Shimon Russell, who's uh, one of the biggest therapists. Uh, that really that leads the main part of the session and uh, tremendous amount of physics and vulnerability and um, I'm just blown away. So again, if anybody is, is in this, if anybody does have struggling children or teenagers, reach out to them. You can reach out to the guy who runs the whole thing, Rav Gadali Miller, who's a tzaddik. His number is 718-578-7799. They have one every six months. And I was just, uh, I got tremendous physics there. And while I was there, I was sitting with Rav Shimon Russell who's a huge therapist, who's an artist role, and we discussed about coming on, and Mr. Shem is going to be coming on next Sunday, June 20th. Oh, he's on? Okay. He's going to be coming on next week, June 20th, on Sunday, and we're going to be talking about his, one of his, he has two main topics, but this is his big, big topic. He's going to talk about Shalom Bias. 
I just called him literally right before the shir. I said, what part of Shalom Bayez? We're talking about the heart of the marriage, feeling the fundamentals of what love is and connection and how to work on being one unit. So it's going to be a really, really powerful program. And I advise you to come on early because we always start on time. Speakers always have their videos working and they're always here punctual. Rabbi Daniel, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for popping in. We already finished the program, Rabbi Daniel. So have a good I hope night. it went well. I just yeah. hope it was incredible. And I'd love to hear all about the recording available. Right. It's okay to worry about. Okay, so anyway, we just, we just started. I was giving a little rundown. So next week we'll be with Shimon Russell. And we talk about marriage. Please, please come early. It's going to be a tremendous program. And um, come. again, tonight we have the Swiss having Rabbi Daniel Katz. We're to stroll. I know, you know, it's the middle of the day for him, and he's probably tired after, you know, now it's choking. It's 5 a.m. Rabbi Daniel, I, just, I, I didn't sleep since Thursday. I was by this program, and there was no sleep. So I have, I'm running on, like, zero, you know, energy. And I know you just woke up, so we're, we're, we're working off different energies. So, again, thank you for agreeing to come on and giving a lot of physical when we talk about this big topic. We're going to start off first with our coach, Coach Menachem. Please open it up. Let's, let's, let's get the conversation started. Okay. Thank you so much for this uh... Opening, Rabbi I think this itself, we Baruch Hashem have this host, Rabbi Daniel Katz, to be with us with his camera, the Hadras Ponim. You know, it could have been a whole uh, show just with audio. Baruch Hashem, we're here. So I want to welcome everyone to another Sunday night. Let's get real with Coach Menachem. We're Baruch Hashem up to episode number 59, Baruch Hashem. And by now we have covered many, many topics from uh, marriage, divorce, chinuch, um, davening, connect, connecting to Hashem, how, how does it work? We've gone through a lot, basically getting closer and learning more, uh, living a Jewish life and so on, how to make the small changes for the better. So tonight, tonight's topic, radical emuna. Turning your challenges into the biggest breakthrough of your life. So basically, if you don't have any challenges, then it, that's good. Sit here and listen. But there are many that many of us that face challenges. It might be different levels, but we all have our challenge. And when we face our challenge, we think this is the biggest challenge. So hopefully we'll be able to learn a lot tonight. But this is basically overall um, of all the programs that we did to figure out what are we really looking for? What, what, what is it that we want of other, you know, we're, we're working to come closer to Hashem with all of these topics to get better, to see and feel change. So we know to, to, to feel change, to, to have any change, we know that we need to do things differently because doing the same thing usually you get the same results. So tonight, Baruch Hashem, we have the privilege and an honor to have Rabbi Neil Katz, which I believe from hearing a little bit from his lectures, he'll take us on a journey in the fields of different consciousness, different levels that many of us have never really been there before. So hopefully with that change, we'll be able to have, to be able to implement some change in, the, in our life to, to take the topics that we discussed, to take the logic that we discussed, and to be able to find how to implement all of this to find, to, to do, to have some change in our life. And before I start, I just want to tell the, the audience, they, should, they shouldn't try to understand. Just listen. 
what we need is we need to surpass the logic, the, the conscious mind. Let it just listen and let it go in. Let it go past that mind that you think till now has been thinking the same way and looking at the world the same way. And I think tonight we're going to be seeing things a little bit different and going a little bit deeper in Mitz Hashem. So I'd like to thank you, Rabbi Neil Katz, for being with us tonight in Mitz Hashem. And we should all have Siyat and Ishmaya, everybody in their challenges to have the growth that we need in Mitz Hashem. Thank you so much, Coach Menachem. Beautiful opening. Daniel, before you start, I'm going to just read your bio. Are you good? Your camera, everything good? We're good to go? Okay. Perfect. Okay. So let's get into tonight's share. Again, tonight's share is sponsored by Recovery at the Crossroads. Nate is here. We actually spend Friday together. Recovery at the Crossroads is the only kosher inpatient treatment center in the tri-state area. They are a licensed co-occurring treatment facility, which means they are licensed to not only treat substance abuse, but also any other underlying mental conditions such as anxiety, depression, or trauma. They've been around for 15 plus years and have helped many from families and put tremendous effort in working together with the families and really helping the whole situation together. If you or anyone you know is struggling with addiction, feel free to reach out to them at 888-466-5950. Again, it's 888-466-5950. Menachem, Coach Menachem, again, where are they located, Coach Manat? I know everybody. It's in the tri-state area. I got that. Sorry, sure. I just want to make sure. Not in Florida, but they're really an amazing, amazing organization. Actually, uh, was, again, this weekend was in the was uh, they were there. They had a booth and um, spoke to some people that did use their services, and they're amazing. And uh, if you are dealing with this, please reach out to them. Again, uh, Daniel, let's go. Here's uh, Daniel Katz's bio, which I just uh, spoke to the first time in my life on Sunday. So here we go. Daniel Katz is a visionary educator, an international sought-after speaker and teacher whose mission is to reveal the unity among different paths of Torah in order to allow all Jews to experience its spiritual depth, beauty, and transformative powers. A former award-winning film theater director in Australia, he has lived and studied in Jerusalem for the last 20 years and learning some of the best-known yeshivas from, and from some of the greatest rabbanim, sadikim, and mukabalim. His famous night classes at Eish HaTorah, Jerusalem, routinely drew crowds of over 100 people eager to hear his unique combination of Musr, self-development, Hasidus, and Kabbalah. He's also a favorite teacher at Nevei Yerushalayim for over five years. Today, he's the founder director of the Elevation Project, which through seminars, retreats, and online programs is dedicated to bringing the Torah and Kabbalah ancient systems of meditation and personal development Sorry, I'm sorry. Personal development back to the forefront of the generation spiritual culture. International speaking highlights include lecturing at Sinai in, in Dabia Conference in South Africa, where over 5,000 people attended his elevation workshops, presenting at the, at the com competitive techniques of Abra. I can't even read it. Hosted by the Dalai Lama Mind and Life Institute, and his 2016 appearance at the world's premier mindfulness and business conference, Wisdom 2.0 in Tel Aviv. Rabbi Daniel. It's my honor to welcome you to Let's Get Real, Coach Menachem 3.0. Please open it up. Thank you. Thank you, Asha. Thank you, Coach Menachem. I'm just so impressed that there's so many people here awake at five o'clock in the morning with a desire to learn Torah that's tremendously inspiring. You all got up so early. I'd like to say thank you to everyone. And I'm aware that there's a very diverse group of people here, very, you know, a lot of holy, from Yidden, religious Jews, as we know, and a, and a 
wide collection of all different people from different backgrounds. And together we get to watch the sunrise in Jerusalem because my other camera's not working. So now we get to stare at my window. I hope if I'm bored, you can just, you know, check out the sunrise and enjoy it. I'm boring. So I, I was told to say about a few, 10 minutes on, on something we're going to discuss today, which, which we've called radical Amuna. And, you know, Amuna is, is a discussion. What is Amuna to begin with? So Amuna is usually described as faith. You know, what is faith? If you look up faith in the dictionary, it says to believe in something um, without logic or evidence, right? So what kind of fool would believe in something without logic or evidence? That's called faith. Um, so there's a very interesting idea that the Baal Shem Tov has a very radical idea of what Amuna is. The Baal Shem Tov called Amuna Devekis. And Devekis is... Amuna, by the Baal Shem Tov, it doesn't mean something that you believe in. It's not a logical belief or an irrational belief. It's, it's something that the, the, the Balatani would say is Lamalam and Tamadas. It's a higher state of consciousness. You know, today, the, in modern times, we'd say Amuna is not something you believe in. It's a state that you go to. That means even when we face challenge and pain and suffering in our lives, there's a part of our consciousness, there's a part of our Adas, a higher state of awareness, which at that moment is aware of Hashem, is aware of the divine, is aware that everything is good, that everything is not happening to me, it's happening for me, as the saying goes. And what the challenges of life is when I'm facing challenge, and intellectually, I don't know why this is happening to me, I wish it wasn't happening to me, it's making me full of pain or anxiety or frustration or anger. I don't have to convince myself that there's Hashem so to speak, I have to access an awareness within me that in Adnavadai, that there's nothing but Hashem, if that makes sense. So I want to present you a certain idea today. Now, we run these seminars and treats around the world, and I'm going to talk about an exercise, which is literally straight from Chassidus. It's the, in the Beis Alevi, it's in Chassidus, it's in the Binachman, it's in the Baal Shem Tov, it's in the, 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 the Moenayim, it's in countless Chassidic sources. And it's a way to understand why do we face the challenges that we face in life? Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, the short answer to why bad things happen to good people is to make us better people. That's basically what it comes down to, right? If everything in the world comes from Hashem, and that means everything in the world that's happening in our life, positive or negative, is coming from Hashem, and Hashem, Hashem only loves us. So then the reason bad things happening is because Hashem is challenging us to evolve, to grow, to change through the challenge that's taking place. And what it means to really have a moon, it doesn't just mean to believe in God. It doesn't just mean to believe in God that on a good day when everything's going well. The Nesiva Shalom, the great Hasidic master, Nesiva Shalom, he says there's actually three levels of a moon. Got to do with three parts of our consciousness. One's the Amuna of the Moach, the, the faith in the mind. That means I can say, I know there's Hashem. I know Hashem creates everything. And I know Hashem loves me. And then suddenly a car pulls in front of me in the road and I scream at him, get out of the way. And I scream all the worst names at him in the world. And then I keep going because as I'm thinking how much I believe in God, you know, at the same time, this guy's an idiot who pulled in front of me, right? So, so at that moment, I have it in my head, but I don't have it in my heart. What, what, what happened to my heart? My heart was full of uh, anger, cast, gaiva. You know, how do, who's this guy to think he can pull in front of me? So when something resists me, when something comes at me, right? So what happens is I have a moon in my head but I don't have a munus, a munus alive. I don't have the moon in my heart. I can't feel it, right? And then there's something even called the munus avavim, which means that it comes down into my body. My, my, my body is pumping on the energy of ein, ma, ein And that's a deeper thing, which is not for today's discussion, but that's the root of all 
all uh, illness, physical illness, and all physical healing comes from bringing a moon into the body. The Baal Tav and other Siddiquim said that all physical illness actually comes from a lack of a moon in the body. And the, 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 the root of all healing comes when we bring a moon, divine consciousness, divine awareness back into the body. And that's a, that's a very deep discussion. And you can literally heal people as the Siddiquim did by, by just being aware of those factors. So let's double back for a second. What it means to have a Muna is to know, feel, and see that Hashem is, the divine is in everything always, and everything is for the good. To not just believe it intellectually, to not be able to bring proofs intellectually, but to have that so deeply embodied in my heart, so deeply embodied in my feelings, that my heart as well, even when someone pulls in front of me, even when terrible things happen, tragedy strikes in my life, even when I'm going through the biggest suffering, to actually realize that this is here to build me, here to grow me, here to make me. And when the more I realize that, then the more I am, I am joyful. I always say, what is the litmus test of true amuna in your life? How do you know if, if, if a, if a yid is true amuna? The answer is simcha, is joy. That we can maintain joy consistently through all the challenges in our life. Now, to do that, there's a certain algorithm that we teach. There's a certain algorithm that if you get this down, this is what helps you do that. If that sounds impossible to you, if that sounds difficult to you, take an example right now. If you take an example for one second, what's the biggest challenge you face in your life? What's the biggest challenge? A lot of people say to me, you know, the rabbi, the same thing keeps happening to me. It happened when I was 18 years old, when I was 22 years old, happened after I got married, happened when I went to work. Do you ever notice there's certain things that happen over and over again in our life? So there's, there's a very, very deep reason why that is, is because we come into this world with certain things we're supposed to fix. Every single one of us has something different. A person has anger, a person has lust, a person has shame, a person has a lack of confidence, a person has all kinds of challenges. And the Baal have taught the most profound thoughts, which is why do the bad things happen to us? You know, and we use this terrible word called punishment. So mystically speaking, punishment sounds like God's angry at us or he hates us and he's just out to get us. Mystically speaking, in Kabbalah and Hasidus, the, 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 the cloud, the principle is always punishment just means that Hashem wants to teach you a lesson based on the consciousness that you're generating. And even the, the, the Beis Alevi in, in his Torah on, on Bitzachan lays this out from the beginning, that the challenges happen to us. If I have fear within me, if I carry fear and I carry, I don't know, lack of self-esteem or lack of self-worth, then the challenges within me, the pain within me, the bad mitters within me, that actually generates the shkacha, the providence. What happens in my life is actually going after what's happening in my heart. What's happening in my life goes after what's happening in the heart. The shkacha, the challenges I face are being generated by what Hashem wants me to work on. And we're going to talk about this principle today. And if you get this down, I have truly never seen such a game changer in people's lives as, as the ultimate way to face our challenges and overcome them and, and shine through them and, and grow through them. We're not supposed to go through life. We're supposed to grow through life. And this is what it came, comes down to. I'll, I'll give everyone a simple example. I had about, about four years ago a big question. We live in a beautiful part of Jerusalem. There's lots of shuls. I'm a, I'm a Shama Kalali. I'm not like one Hasidus or one thing. I like to go Kapurine from all different beautiful places, all different shuls. But when you have kids, when you have little kids, it's very important to give them a place, a shul, a community that they feel a part of. But I was like, ah, I can't be mitzvahing myself into one place. You know, that's just, I, I'm a, a Baal background, so I'd like to connect to different places. 
So after a while, it really came down. It got more and more serious. And my wife said to me, you know, we have to choose a place. We have to choose a place. Book Jam for wives. They, they, they keep us on the, the straight and narrow, as they say. So fine. So I, I've narrowed it down to two. There was one beautiful shul in Esbis Torah. There was one beautiful shul in our neighborhood. I thought either of these is good, but how do I know which one is mine? There's one that was more holy in Esbis Torah, but I thought, do I really know these people? Do these people care for me? I'm going to connect to them. I don't really know. So I, I dove into Hashem. I said, Hashem, please give me a place. Give me a makam. Give me a shul of I connected the Kehillah, the Kehillah connects to me, that my children feel comfortable there, that we can integrate in a healthy, balanced way. And I said, you know, show me a sign. So listen to this. That Friday night, I go to shul. And I sit wherever, I, the usual place where I sit whenever I go to that shul, I've been sitting there on and off for like three, four years. And I sit right in the front and I sit on the right side. And it's a very comfortable sit. I sit down with my kids and everybody's coming in for the afternoon prayer, which we call Mincha. And this old man who sits at the edge of this row sits down. And I'm thinking, is this the right shul for me? And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, this old man stands up. And he starts screaming at me in front of the whole community. And he says, what a chutzpah, chutzpah you are. That chair is really somebody else's chair. And he comes every Tuesday morning. And he's been coming every Tuesday morning for three months. For, for sure, it should come to him. And he starts yelling at me and screaming at me in front of the whole community. Nobody stands up. Nobody responds. Nobody says anything. And, you know, doim Hashem, I've read enough. Hasidic sources, no, you're not supposed to respond, especially to an old man. Even he's screaming, I'm going to be silent. And I hold my tongue in and I don't respond. Really, I've been sitting there much longer than this other person. And there's no one else that's sitting there. But he has an issue with kids because uh, it's a heartbreaking. He never had children. Someone warned me that before. So he's literally screaming at me. The whole synagogue is, is silent and he's screaming at me. So I don't know what to do. And I sit there for three, four minutes. I'm trying not to respond. And finally, he sits down. I'm like, okay, I survived. I didn't unleash at him. You know, my, my heart is, you know, is pulsing. And I say, okay, let, let's get to, to, to Davin. And finally, you know, he's yelling me Hebrew. And as he sits down, he turns to me and says in English, why don't you respond? You're afraid to respond? You know, you're afraid to say anything because you know you're guilty? And I'm holding myself back. I'm holding myself back. And then finally I said, I don't respond because I don't really get why you're saying this. And then he stands up again and he screams at me a second time loudly. Nobody says anything. I couldn't hold myself in at all. And I just got up and walked, walked out of the show. And everybody just looked at me. I walked out. And I just wandered the streets. I don't even know, remember where I davened that day. And I was like, listen, sometimes you ask Hashem, you know, and sometimes Hashem gives you an answer. You know, is that because Hashem loves me? He gave me that answer. He hates me. Hashem says, not the soul for me. And for days I walked around that old man, that, you know, that fool, that lonely man. He's so pathetic, you know, and the, the synagogue's so terrible and it's so awful and nobody stood up for me, etc. And I walked around for days pointing my finger at that person. And finally around Wednesday or Thursday, I was doing his Buddhist and I was taking a, a, mo a few moments of Cheshbar and Nefesh. And I said to myself, I said to myself, you know, Hashem, thank you for showing me that shul is not for me. Right. And I, I but I can't, couldn't believe how much anger and pain I was carrying for days. Well, why can I move on? I'm a spiritual guy. I take a vote as Hashem seriously. I try to, you know, be misbehaving a little what's happening within me, but I couldn't let it go. And on around Thursday morning, I was sitting there working on myself and I realized that he hit a really raw nerve within me. And it's something I, I honestly never knew before. And the raw nerve within me when I was going very deep in, into what anger or pain I was feeling, it's the fact that I always feel I'll never be accepted. I always feel as about Shuvah, I'll never have my makam. I always feel in any, in any place that I teach, you know, people are gonna say, well, that's a little deeper than what we teach here or it's slightly different in some way. 
And I always feel like, you know, I've never had a shul, I've never had a makam and different siddiqim, I connect in different ways, but I've always had this fear that I'll always be rejected. I can go back to my family and my parents. We can do a long story and a long therapy session together. If So at the end of the day, I suddenly realized that and I started crying to Hashem and I started just releasing that, releasing that. There's a process the Baal Shem Tov says, is it's called Halatamidah. Halatamidah. And there's three steps that you go to release that pain. And then suddenly I felt I'm calm. The Hashem always loves me and I have my place with Hashem and we have beautiful projects. We have many students and, and I have a beautiful family and a, Hashem, I have a good wife and there's so much love and I have my place. And one old man standing up screaming at me doesn't have to un, un, undermine my existence in the world. Do you understand? And I suddenly felt, you know, I'm okay there. But rather than looking at the man and blaming the man, I started to turn my avoda inside. And I found that there's something I carried all my life that I honestly didn't realize I carried. And at that moment, it was such a gift because I realized, you know, Hashem is not making this happen to me. Hashem is making this happen for me. And therefore, you know, that man was teaching me a tremendous gift because I, I didn't realize that I felt left out. And that's a lack of a moon, a feeling left out is a lack of a moonah because how can you feel left out when everything is God and everything is divine and you're connected to everything? So I want you to know, however, something amazing happened. That Friday morning, I got a, a call from a man in the shore. And I'm, I'm another man, he just said, I, I want you to know, Rabbi Daniel, I, I, I was so sorry what happened. Everyone in the shore was talking about it all last week, but, but we miss you and we hope, you know, it's one old man and he has a lot of sorrows and we hope you're going to come back and join us. And literally for two hours, the phone called and the Gabbai called, and the, many of the rabbis called, and the Chavah, and they all said, please, we, we love your children, we love that you bring all kinds of Chavah here to the shul to, to introduce them to, to the Torah, yeah, and we love it so much. And that, that Friday night when I walked into shul, literally, even though I was kind of anonymous there, like 50 people walked over to me and said, they're so glad to see me there. And that is a, a tremendous example of the, the, the teaching that the Siddiquim teach, that the Baal Shem Tav teaches, Rabbi Nachman teaches, and so many other Siddiquim. That is our pain. It's my feeling of abandonment, which comes down. And I can tell you the Kabbalistic language if you have time. I'm not sure it's today, tonight, this morning, wherever we're up to, the sun's still coming up. Is that my anger or my fear of abandonment actually came down as a shkacha into this old man in order to bring me closer to Hashem, to help me overcome that block in order to bring me closer to a shul to help answer the question, where should my family be? But what we all do is go through life saying, I believe in God, I believe in the divine. But all the challenges that come as we blame our boss, we blame Trump, or we blame Obama, or Netanyahu, and Bennett, I and mean, Brooke Hashem, there's a new prime minister in Israel, we have someone to blame for our problems, or we blame our wife, or we blame our children. And, and I'm very, very, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be strong about this, but I mean this with tremendous love and compassion. We blame that the, the, the abuser that abused us. And, and, and what we don't, what we fail to do is say, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? You know, people go through unbelievable pain and suffering. It's hard to imagine. And people who are abusive, that they should be put in jail, they should be taken away. I have no doubt about that. But to be able to build and grow with our lives, the challenges, the unbelievable difficult question, the radical amuna is to say, if Hashem really was in this darkness, if Hashem really took me down into the, the darkest pit of suffering or pain, what confidence did he want me to believe in myself? Did I feel so abandoned as a child in that abuse? It was Hashem teaching me that I can feel so un unconditionally loved, so un unconditionally confident, believe in myself, that Hashem wants to show me that I can overcome any block to experience that. The radical amuna is the ability to feel the Hashem in your heart by A, Realizing that everything is being controlled by Hashem. 
B, to awaken within me that which resists my muno, that which resists the faith. To see in order to release that, in order that D, now I can see the divine even in the greatest moments of challenge. That was the power that the Siddiquim had. That was the power the true masters had. They could find joy and love and connection and opportunity and blessing and growth and healing, even amidst the darkness. And to do that, you have to get out of the, 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 the challenges that the Adam Havishan, Adam and Chava all, all gave to us, that when they made a mistake and Hashem came to them and said, no, Adam, what did you do? Rather than saying, well, let me tell you about my midas of desire. Let me tell you about the mistakes that they made. He pointed and said it was Eve's fault. Eve made, Eve made me do it. And Eve, it came over to Chava, Eve. And rather than Eve saying, yeah, you know, you know, I, 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 my eyes sore and my heart is out a little. I, I made a mistake. And I know, Hashem, you wanted me to attack in that minute. You want me to heal that minute, that of desire. But rather, I blame the snake. So when you blame the woman, when you blame the snake, when you follow that shame, that fearful, then, then what we do is we, we stop believing in Hashem. We stop saying, Hashem brought me to this moment because Hashem doesn't want me to point out to blame that person. Hashem wants me to look in and say, what is it that I need to learn own release here? And that, and that radical place of ownership and that radical place of seeing that this is a gift, that's when we can do the most healing, the most growth. And that's when we come back to Hashem. And the gift of that is, is simcha constantly, is blessing constantly, is, is seeing divine light and good constantly. That's the opening of Ruach HaKodesh. That's the opening of living with the Vekas. These are probably a little out of the realm of tonight's discussion. But I was told they have 10 minutes. I have no clock. They haven't thrown me off yet. So I'm, I'm going to land the plane, so to speak, and let's have a nice discussion together. Okay. So, Daniel, that was a really powerful, beautiful opening. Wow. Okay. Can I go to um, sleep then? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm falling asleep. No, no. We're good. I'm done, I'm done early. Yes, I'm going to sleep. You, you, you woke just me up. Keep going. You woke me up. You were the caffeine. Crystal, is your phone plugged in? I just want to make sure you're plugged in. You're good? Yeah, I'm, I'm very high tech. My phone's plugged good, in. Good, good. Okay. Let's, I heard that before this year. It doesn't seem so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I feel the same way. Okay, let's let's start off with a poll. We have some live questions. We have some a bunch of people sending questions. So let's let's really rock it up, okay? Okay, everybody on the share here today, let's start it. What is your definition of a muna? How would you define a muna? Three options. Everything is from Hashem. Simple. Everything that Hashem does is good, it's for the good. Or option C, I just believe. Those are the three options. What do you think a muna is? Question number two: when you face a challenge in your life, what do you do? I embrace it. It, that's what Hashem wants. I feel like I'm being punished for my Averis. Or option three, I feel disconnected from Hashem. Okay, let's go five seconds. What is your definition of a moon? Everything's from Hashem. Everything Hashem does is for good. I just believe. And question two, when you face a challenge in your life, it's either A, I embrace it. That's what Hashem wants. I feel like I'm being punished for my Averis. Or C, disconnected from Hashem. Daniel, what's the, which is the right answer? <laughs> okay, let's wow. share. Ready? Let's share. I, so, should we answer? Uh, let's no, go no, back to the first one. One second, one second, one second. Let's just share it. Okay. One second, one second. You guys on? You guys on? It says I'm not allowed to vote because I'm a panelist. It's not right. fair. No, I want to play too. I, I want to get it right. Okay. Let's, let's share it with everybody. Okay. What is the definition of a moon? 43% of people here tonight believe everything is from Hashem, period. Simple. Everything is from Hashem. The share tonight is from Hashem. And 50% of the people believe everything Hashem does is for the good. 7% of the people just believe. When you face now, can, can, life, can I ask you, Can I ask a question on that to you? What's the hardest? I'd like to ask for everybody. What's the hardest thing to do there? 
Which is the hardest level? Is it easier to say, is it easy to say everything is from Hashem or is it easy to say everything Hashem does for the good? I'd just like everyone to meditate on that if you can for a second. It's easy to say just everything is Hashem. It's just a very simple plain statement. That's right. It's, det- it's emotionally detached. But the ikka of Amuna is in the life. The essence of Amuna is in the heart. It's easy to say in my head, I know everything comes from Hashem because my Rebbe taught me that in school. Right, or I, I read H.com and I saw it on a website somewhere, right? But it's much harder to feel what is the consequence, what is the nafkamina of everything being from Hashem. That means it's all for the good, and that's much harder to do. So the answer is that radical true amuna is actually everything Hashem does is for the good. Everything is from Hashem is a nice theory, but it's from the good means that's the beginning of a vote as Hashem. That's the beginning of hard work. Can I feel the good? Can I feel the blessing? Can I feel the benefit even when it goes against how I wish the world was going to run, right? So I I want everyone to meditate on the middle one. That's much harder to do, but that's exactly the direction that all true radical growth and tikkun amidus comes. It comes in the middle one. Let's go through question number two. When you face a challenge in your life, you embrace it. That's what Hashem wants. I feel like being punished. Uh, 66, uh, 66% of people, it's the number one answer, feel they embrace it because that's what Hashem wants. 22% of people feel like they're being punished. And 12% of people feel completely disconnected when they get a challenge in their life. Just interesting. Okay. So I, I just want to say I really appreciate people's honesty by saying they feel punished. And there's many people because that's what we do, right? Some people just feel they disconnect from God. I mean, Rabbi, because, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi catch one second somebody's live so yeah. question let, let him go first because it's going to tie into it okay you're on you're live hi rabbi katz uh i had a small question based on the last basically the last statement uh the rav said uh the idea that we basically when people go through a tough time or a rough situation the basic you know even especially a very very hard situation whatever it could be the thing that usually a a rav or a gadol, someone says, is that whatever Hashem does is for the best. And if you really believe in it, there's, it, it'll take away your sadness. My question is, is that more, it sounds more of like a psychological thing. You're con- convincing someone to believe something and Mimela, the person will become happy if he believes that. But if you can't see it, so how, how is that considered real simcha? Like, you know, if you, if, if you can't see what has that considered, if you can't see that. how that thing is really for the best or the good in it, how is right. that yeah. other? I don't mean to compare, but like other religions, they brainwash their people, you know, believe this and you'll have the best life ever, you know, blow up yourself up and you'll have the best life in the next world. And they're actually very happy. But is that real simcha or is that just a brainwash or the way they convince them to believe this so they're happy? But it's not that they see the actual happiness. Like the Bechayv well, as one of the, the, the benefits of Bechayn is that you'll have Simcha uh, Sanefesh. If you think that you want it came out, you'll be happy. And if it didn't come out, you'll realize you'll be happy because you know that Hashem knows what's best for you. But if you don't see what Hashem knows what's best for you, you don't see the best. So you're kind of just like believing it. So it's it's kind of obvious that you'll be happy. It's not a, it's not like, it's like I'm saying I give it a quarter, I could buy it for a quarter. It's not, it's, that's obvious. It's not like I say if I buy, if I put a quarter, I can get something that's a thousand dollars. That's that's a chiddush. But to say 
I'll, I'll be happy because someone knows what's best. That's like an obvious outcome. Okay, that's, that's a great question. Let me break it down to the most elemental way. Remind me your name, sir? Benyamin. Benyamin, let me put this to you simply. Right now, as we sit here in a bright and early morning coming up in Jerusalem, can you feel happy if you choose to right now? Because of the, the sunlight? Because of whatever you wanted to. Could you choose to take five minutes right now and meditate on the blessing in your life, the good in your life, what you have gratitude for? Yes. Can you feel Hashem's like, you, you can do that right now for five minutes? Yes. Yeah? Okay, great. Number one. Number two is think of the hardest situation you've gone through in the last two years. I wish you only broke and only good. But has it possibly been the last two years has been one day, one hour, when things were really tremendously challenging and painful? Has that happened the last two years for you at all? Definitely. I'm, I'm definitely, and, my, and I'm not even, Baruch Hashem, I had Nisim happen. So my question is only Mitzada. No, that, that's okay. So that, let's just stay with this for one second. Good. So here's my question. In that moment of tremendous challenge and tremendous pain and tremendous suffering, before the miracles came and saved the day, could you have got in that moment back into that sp space, that state of joy, of blessing, to feel the abundance, to feel the diviners with you? Could you have done that theoretically or would it have been hard to do? Very, very hard. Very, very hard to do. And you probably practically didn't do that. We were probably more overwhelmed with responding to the challenges and you know, trying to keep our heads screwed on straight and not get overwhelmed and not have despair right and trying to get to the end rather than doing that activity fine good here's the key point my friend you don't need to know why something is happening to understand it's for your good a b is when you're facing a challenge what the mind does it hyper fixates on the challenge only right that means you know i'm thinking i've got that challenge that course cake coming up in two days and 15 minutes before the court case, you know, am I going to lose the money? Am I going to gain the money? Is this guy who I let the money to going to come back at me? Am I going to have to follow up? I'm sick and tired of this stuff. And your head is running around in those Bill Bullen, running around in, in, in Max Chavez's these negative thoughts run around. So how do you feel at that moment? At that moment, you feel angry. You feel afraid. You feel anxious. You feel furious. You feel vengeful. Fine. But your mind, the reason you feel all those things is because your mind is fixating on the court case only, and on the possible only negative outcome of the court case only. But at that moment, you still have clothes on your back. You still have food on your table. You still have other opportunity in life. You still have good shalom bias. You still have beautiful, sweet kids. There's still opportunities happening spiritually, emotionally, physically for you. So why at that moment am I feeling such anxiety of pain? It's not because that thing is more real than all the other blessings. It's not because the curse is more real than the other blessings. It's because my mind is hyper fixating on fear. The mind defaults to go after the desires of the nefesh of Bahamas, the animal soul, more than it does after the nefesh of kiss, the divine soul. And Amuna is the ability to remember that even in the challenge that I face, there's still a greater context of blessing, of light, of good, of love, of benefit, of growth, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the first way I'm answering your question, Binyamin, is to say the following. You don't have to understand why this thing is happening to feel good and blessed at any given moment. Because no matter the challenge we face, there's always infinitely more good around us than there is bad from the challenge. 
So the reason, if I understand, as you said, is the Rebbe or the Rav, the Rabbi of the community saying to you, if a person really had a Muna, you could be happy right now. That doesn't mean, number one, the first stage, it doesn't mean, you know, but I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I have to lose that thing. I don't understand why I have to lose that money. I don't understand why my child, God forbid, a thousand times has to be sick. But right now I can see there's other blessing, there's other goodness, there's other joy. So first it's called the Makif. First we have to be able to shift around to see my state right now could be that there's a lot of blessing goodness in my life, not just as a belief and a dogma I tell myself, but as something I can actually feel in my heart, A. And B, so what about this one area of specific challenge? In this one area of specific challenge, I can say, rather than everything is terrible, everything is Gehenim and hell in, the, in this one place, I can use the light and awareness of everything around that. And then I can say, well, what could be the benefit here? What could be the growth opportunity here? Am I learning to have tremendous courage? Am I learning to have tremendous discipline? Am I learning to have tremendous patience? And when I can appreciate the why, then I can, I can, I can survive through any what. When I get the why and I can theorize from the why and I, I understand all the other blessings of my life and I'm focused on how could I grow here. And I'm going to take it to the next level, Binyamin. Here's the key. If I begin to ask the question, when people want to know why is this happening to me, a great static in, in Jerusalem by the name of, of Sri Meir Zilberberg, maybe you know him. He said to me once, we, we never know why Hashem does something. We don't know why he does it. But we can, because his mind is so big and his calculations are so incredible, they're infinite. But we're allowed to ask, how am I, what can I learn from it? I don't know why it happens, but I can begin to say, what is Hashem trying to teach me? When you're facing a challenge, A, you can still find joy being aware of all the other blessings in your life and not lose context of that. That's part of Amuna. B, I can begin to say, what can I learn from this? And one of the great ways to understand what is Hashem asking me to learn from this is to say, what is it triggering within me? When you see what mida or klipa is, 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 is over within you, what block or doubt or pain is it bringing up? and I begin to work on that, then I can actually find joy because now I'm confronting my fear. Now I'm confronting my, my lack of self-confidence. Now this moment is going to make me heroic. It's going to make me a gibber. I'm going to overcome the inner resistance that I've dealt with all my life. And that, my friends, can give you joy. The avodas Hashem Shaboy, the path of growth of inner work in that moment that you know is giving you know, Hashem Nachas Ruach, that itself can allow us to celebrate with joy and blessing. So in the end of that, I found all different ways to illustrate to you, Binyamin, that you don't have to know exactly what it's about to find authentic joy and love and blessing, even in the darkest challenge. Does that answer your question, sir? Yes. Uh, I just want to know, so according to this, Amuna is more of uh, like a tool to help us come to that, to that challenge and overcome the challenge, or Amuna is like a mitzvah in itself. Well, I, I don't see them as contradictory, but it's interesting to know Amuna comes with the word uh, Uman, which means a craftsman, a craftsperson. It's, it's a way that you build and you sculpt and you, you craft yourself, your das, your consciousness, your midas, your nevis, your Bahamas. It, that is the work of Amuna. Amuna is not just believing in Hashem when challenge comes. Amuna means that, I that when, I, when the, cha the challenge comes in order to awaken my resistance to Hashem, in order so I can do birurim, I can purify my resistance and become more divine in nature. So when I walk out of any challenge, having crafted myself to become more divine, 
That's the literal definition of the word amuna, and that, my friend, is the mitzvah of amuna. Okay, I hope that makes sense. This is it making sense to everybody? So much sense. There's so many live questions. You ready? You ready for next? Everybody wants to jump on you. Yes. Bring it on. Bring it yes. up. Lucky I'm so far away. Yes, thank you so much. I wanted to ask, how do we frame within the lens of radical amuna the problems of our own making, namely wrong decisions that we ourselves might have made that are, that are causing our hardships? And point B, how do we deal with those feelings of unworthiness that if we were only worthy that Hashem would have kept us from making these mistakes? <laughs> who, who was that? What's your name, ma'am? Bracha. Hey, Bracha. So, okay, here we go. I, it's a bit early in the morning. You know, I need to get make sure I've got this right. First of all, the sins of our own making, that our suffering is coming from the sins of our own making. So let me be clear, according to Kabbalah, according to Tzidus, all your suffering is coming from the sins of your own making. It's, it's either sins you've done in this life. Now, sins always means blocks, right? In our generation, we have so many guilt trips. Sins mean blocks, okay? That means I did something without consciousness. I did something without das. Because of taiva, gaiva, kino, or kava. Because of jealousy, because of fear, because of lust, because of ignorance, because of anger, because of ego, whatever it is. And I did it because of that. And therefore, all the challenges we face in life are there to purify us. And they're given to us based on our internal programming. And by the way, sometimes the challenges we face are not even things from this Google. It's from a previous incarnation. I've made mistakes and I've done bad things in previous incarnation. So everything, and, and by the way, the Siddiquim all say that maybe you're, you're pure in this life and pure in previous incarnations, but you're, you're, you're suffering because of the mistake, the, the sins you've done because you're connected to the soul of Adam and Eve, to Adam and Chava. So everything that comes at us is because of our own creating. And therefore, it's no different at all. It's no different at all to say, wow, I really messed up during those five years in relationships, and now I'm suffering in relationships. It's no different to doing that to the, the things you're not aware of. Everything comes from our own creation, A. B, but that doesn't need Bracha to have a guilt trip. That's not a Shem beating you up a thousand times. That's a Shem saying, because we've generated these blocks, because we've generated this self-sabotaging behavior, because we have this clipper kasha, which is hardwired into our neural networks, destructive ways of behaving, then a Shem has to push us and prod us and challenge us in order to, to get us become aware of what we truly carry within us. Let me tell you the basic core principle of all Tikkunamidus, all healing. All Tikkunamidus is done, all inner healing, inner emotional work is done by bringing darkness into light, by bringing pain to consciousness. If I have Gaiva ego, but I'm not aware I have ego, then I can't work through my ego, right? If I have anxiety, but I'm not conscious that I have anxiety and I keep acting like an anxious guy, but I'm not aware of it, so I can't, I can't fix it. I can't attack on it. Every tikkun is done with das. Imein das, havdala, menayim. Paraphrasing our sages. If you don't have consciousness, if you don't have das, then you can't make a distinction of your midas, of your inner world, and heal yourself and fix yourself and grow. Therefore, the reason the challenge happens, all challenges are, are created, all our external world is created like the law of attraction because we're thinking about pain and anger or fear, so Hashem brings us something to... That makes us afraid. Why is Hashem making, doing something to make me afraid? You know what the answer is? Because he wants you to become aware of, look how afraid you are. 
look how lustful you are. Look how egotistical you are. And the second you become aware of it, then you go, oh, look, I really have an issue with ego. I, I never knew. Now, now you realize you have an issue with ego. Now you, you go to the forest or you do his palace by Regiso Solanta or you do Halatamidus by the Balsham Tav or you do your trauma therapy, EFT or IFS or what works for you. And you cl cleanse yourself of that ego because now you're conscious of it. Now I'm aware, aware of it. Then, then now you have the beautiful blessing and opportunity to work through it. So Hashem's giving you the gift. Hashem knows you've got all this stuff within you. And Hashem wants to make it aware of it because he wants you to have the, the bliss of growth and the bliss of release and the bliss of, 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 of making yourself at Salam Alakim, which is the greatest bliss and joy at all. So the first answer to your first question is everything is technically because of our own making. And when we, Hashem brings us the challenge to realize what we are making and, and what's the inner motivation in order that we can grow and heal from that. Bracha, remind me your second question. I technically answered it, but I just want to remember your words again. What was the second part of the question? Um, how do we deal with that sense of unworthiness to feel that if we were only worthy, Hashem would have kept us from making these mistakes? Beautiful. And here's the amazing answer. And I hope it's obvious to you, Bracha. The unworthiness is a guilt trip we're putting on ourselves. The opposite is true. Hashem never gives a challenge to someone that does not have the capacity and ability to overcome it and grow from it and learn from it. The fact that you face the challenge, Bracha, is a Shem sign that you are worthy, is that he believes in you enough that he's going to challenge you because he knows that this is the moment of truth where you're going to grow and, and stop surviving and start thriving. And you're going to give him all the nachos in the world. It's the fact that he gives you the challenge that is a sign that he believes in you. The coach pushes the player who he believes in the most, who he loves the most, who he wants to see grow the most. If Hashem, the rule it says in, in, in Asfarim, is if, if Hashem didn't believe in you, he wouldn't challenge you. For the biggest sinners, the most destructive people in the world, Hashem stops challenging them because he says, I'm going to pay you off in this world. You're going to want all the worst things. I'll give it to you all and I'll pay you off and then you're done. Right? It's so, so when you face a challenge, say, thank you, Hashem. Oh, my God. Even though I'm terrified right now, I see you care enough to prompt me towards, you know, the biggest growth in my life and, and bless me, Hashem, and give me everything I need to stand up to this challenge. And that's the secret. When you understand that, when you don't collapse under your own fear, when you don't collapse under your own despair, that then you, then you get the blessing to overcome anything. And one, one last thing I want to say on this, Bracha, if, if, if a person believes, oh no, I've created this and oh no, I'm not worthy. And this for sure means I'm going to fail this. Then that itself, that itself is often what Hashem wants you to work with. Some people have so much despair and self-doubt that they don't think they can handle this and they actually don't think they can handle anything. So what Hashem does very, very simply is puts them in, in, in situations where they don't feel they can handle anything and says, look at you. You have a divine soul. You literally have infinite light, infinite blessing, infinite wisdom at your fingertips. And Hashem says, I'm giving you this challenge till you know that. So you see that. And if you don't believe in yourself, then that's exactly what the challenge is there to show you, to teach you, so that you can finally learn to believe in yourself. And when you can, then you can conquer anything and nothing will stand in your way. Wow, beautiful. Danielle. Thank you. Let's go to another live question, okay? Hineni. Hi, hey, is Menachem supposed to be playing this game as well? Yeah, Why am I doing, doing You're doing great. Doing great. Go. Okay. 
Hi. I feel ab- I feel abandoned and left alone by you both. What's happening? Just, Wait, I've got to work on my meters. We're just getting you warmed up. Great. This is me okay, warmed I, up. Hi, you're on. Hi, my 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 name is Avaris, and my question is that in the introduction you said that bad things happen to good people so that they can work on themselves and become better. To me, is that what you said? Yeah, that's the truth. Okay, fine. So to me, that should be a reason for bad things to happen to bad people too. So even more so, bad people should have to work on themselves. Oh, okay. So, so that, that's a great question. Let's make this simple. You ready? We said bad things happen to good people, but we didn't say bad things happen to perfect people. Bad things don't happen to perfect per- people, right? That's a sadic vatavloi. That means there's a person who's a sadic and everything is always good for him. Because Chazal, the Talmud says that all suffering comes from our sins. All sufferings comes from our emotional, energetic blocks, right? So bad things happen to good people to make us better people. Bad things don't happen to perfect people because there's nothing to make them better to be because they're already perfect. So bad things happen to normal people like you and me. We're good people. I'm a good person. I'm willing to say that out loud. Some people may think that's not Hasidic, but I think it's totally Hasidic. It's great, right? Basically, I'm a good person. I'm not a perfect person, but I want to grow. Bad things don't happen to evil people, completely evil people, because Hashem says that if I, if I try to get them to work on themselves, they would never take responsibility for themselves. They would never learn and grow from the situation. And therefore, it's, Hashem says it's not worth investing in that relationship unless there's special reasons to do that. So the answer to your question is bad things happen to good people to make us better people. Bad things don't happen to perfect people and bad things don't happen to the worst people. And therefore, when bad things are happening to us, it's because Hashem believes in us, knows that we're willing to grow and learn and, and is, 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 is thrilled to give us the opportunity to bring our challenges to, to consciousness and let us um, embrace and overcome them. So basically what, what you're saying is that when, when we say that, or when you said that a bad things don't happen to evil people, referring to very evil people. Yes, that's um, right. And everybody else in the world, the way that we see it, will have challenges. Yes, thank God. Because Hashem's, Hashem's in the game with us. He's in the relationship with us. And he believes that at some point, you know, there can be people that can be pretty messed up and ignore all the signs. You see this in the world of addiction. Sure, Coach Menachem tell us about this. There's something called hitting rock bottom. And that means the first 50 blows to the head, the first 50 blows to their life, they weren't paying attention. But suddenly they hit rock bottom. And that's the moment you may have seen this person, you know, dealing with addiction, blowing up his family, blowing up his life in every way, God forbid. And nothing was turning him around. You may want to call him really corrupted, but suddenly hits rock bottom and suddenly goes, you know what? Today is the day I begin to take responsibility for my life and journey. And it, it's the most humiliating moment of his life. And it's the most joyful, blessed moment of life because that's the moment where everything changes and everything expands. But he takes personal responsibility. And that's when why do bad things happen to good people? He may be a messed up person in that point of his life, but fundamentally Hashem was fighting for his soul. And Hashem knew that if he could take him to this point, his soul would turn on, he would begin to take responsibility and grow. And that's a perfect example that Hashem never gave up on that man, that woman. And now that they're back in the game, to the game of life, of growth, and, and coming close to Hashem. And, and I hope that makes sense. Yes, when the you. challenge comes, that's Hashem believing in us. And if we ha- enter with that attitude, then we know there's something to work on, there's something to learn, there's something to grow, 
And Hashem believes in us enough to give us the opportunity and then say, Hashem, you're giving me this opportunity, so let's do this together. And that's when the magic happens. Okay, so so first of all, yeah, with the, all the information, Bar Hashem, we, we're going to have to take it to the next level because most of this, I think many of us know, like logically, um, like the, everything Hashem does is good and... Um, believe that the challenges are here to grow but when a person is in a challenge and you, like you said you're focused on the challenge and you feel that anxiety so we're gonna have to have some uh, practical it doesn't have to be now but just mentioning i'm just gonna read now the question that came in what's the fastest and most powerful way for us to strengthen and build our amuna if we have challenges with it so, and the, another piece to the question i've heard you say that some people's amuna is really just False Amuna. What does the what does it mean, and what are we looking for so that it's not false? Okay, well, let's take this one at a time. First of all, if people want to get practical, if someone's dealing with a real issue in this space right now, and they're, they're brave enough to come up and want to talk about it, share that with the group, I don't mind getting very real into the nitty gritty. Okay, I don't mind doing that in real time. So I'll leave that in your hands. We're not here to push anyone to do anything they feel uncomfortable with, but we're certainly happy to give people the opportunity if they're ready for it. So with that in mind, Coach Benachem, the first question was, please remind me. So it's the fastest and powerful way for us to strengthen our amuna. Fine. The fastest and powerful way to strengthen your amuna is I'm not pausing because I forgot the answer. I'm pausing to find a way to describe it in, in, in a real way. Real Amuna, as was described by the Siddiquim, looks in, in, in our generation more like something we call meditation. And if you see what Rabbi Nachman said, you see what the Balatani Delta Rebbe said, you see how the Balatani Tov described it, you see how the Moenayim described it, you see how so many Siddiquim described it. Amuna is Devekas, and that means they would sit and quieten their mind. They would learn some Torah about what it means, Malachavitz Kavoidoi, Lais Asa Panuimine, that Hashem is in everything. Hashem is in the trees. Hashem is in my hands. Hashem goes to all the worlds above. They would quieten and still their mind. They would go into a deeper state of consciousness, which we teach, which you can learn, which is a very practical thing called the Vegas. When you begin to feel a tremendous light within you, Kedusha within you, the Piazetz Nerebi goes through this in depth. You, you can imagine Hashem. You can imagine tremendous love and compassion he has towards you. And you begin to feel Hashem. You begin to feel that light, that, that infinite connection, that, that Tano Geleki, that, that, that divine pleasure. That's a trick you learn to do. And we teach people the skills to do that. And I'm sure you know that and many people do. And the Svarim talk about that. The Piazetz Nerebi has, has many beautiful Torahs describing the importance of the necessity of that. And as we do that, in that place, in that state, we begin to think about how Hashem is with us and in our life. And we begin to think in that place, you know, here's a challenge I'm going through my life. Here's a relationship with hard. And I feel very, you know, I feel there's no way to overcome that relationship. It's a big challenge. I don't know why that's happened. And, and the first way, let, let me say this clearly. The first way that we build the moon is to learn, to learn, to learn Torah and to understand intellectually how can it be that there's challenges how can it be that what appears to be darkness is really divine light, number one? The second is we go into the state where our neshama, our soul, our higher consciousness already knows that and experiences that. And we enter into that state 
And that's actually a state of consciousness where we get to and we feel that we know that. that that's, that's base too. And what you can do that is you bring that via data, you should know today and you should bring that to your heart until your heart feels that love. That's Yichud Hashem, that's Avis Hashem. You, you increase that light within you until you feel overwhelming. You feel your heart is full of that joy and that light of blessing. That's the second stage. The third stage is then I bring my challenges into that state, right? If you feel Hashem's love for you and you feel, you, you think about that, you say Hashem loves me or loves me, he loves me so much. And you say that over and over again in a quiet, still place until your heart is full of that. Then you bring up, you know, what's happening in my soul and bias? What's happening with that child that I don't connect with? And when we bring our challenge into that feeling, into that light, into that place, then the challenge itself feels weaker, feels small and begins to dissipate. Because when I think how angry I'm at that person, but then I'm also conscious that I'm standing before God is Baruch or the infinite light, then what happens is that that pain or that anger starts to take up less place within my consciousness. The neural wet networks rewire together, now seeing the light and the goodness and the love within it. So first I have to learn the truth about how Hashem runs the world. And that's the beauty of Chassidus and Kabbalah that teaches us that. The second is I have to learn to do his bodhidus, his bodhidus, how to access the vakas, how to access Yishuvadas, Menuchas and Nefesh, right? The Shulchan Aruch says that's what we're supposed to do before we pray three times a day. We need to know those skill sets. I was in Boa Park and I lectured on that once. Literally 400, 500 people came and, and, and you saw that they, they, this is something they knew about. This is something they're interested in. And, and, and you know, people don't realize that this is a key part of our Torah and a key part of our tradition. It's so essential in our door and our generation that we learn these texts and we understand them. We, we bring them back. And then the third part is, is, is when you get that love, when you get that light, when you know how to make access it and you do it five minutes each day, 10 minutes each day, half an hour each day, an hour each day, right? That PSS now has a, a beautiful tour of how to silence your mind and think of one minute you want to work on and keep repeating that line until you feel the light come within you and you feel the tav and the blessing and the, the abundance and the energy flood you. And then the third level is you bring up some of your blocks, some of your resistance into that light and you find that it shifts you. So one way that we work on Amuna is by expanding that light, the awe of Amuna, the light of Amuna within our consciousness, turning it on and letting it flood as more and more and maintaining it longer and longer, number one. And another way of, we work on Amuna is bring up our resistance our pain, our choshek, our ego, our doubts, our confusion, our trauma into that light. So that, that goes, it expands the borders of holiness. That's what I mean. So the darkness within us begins to be mahapak, to turn around and become part of the light itself. I understand that's a little abstract, but that, that's, the, that's the basic, that's the basic mahalach approach, according to the Hasidic masters, of, of how we really integrate that. And the best time to do that work is when you're facing challenge, because that's when your pain is coming at you, your doubt is coming at you. So when you enter the light, when you enter tefillah, when you enter prayer with that, then you can turn it over and transform it and heal that. And that, that has a kiyam, and that lasts forever. That's a, uh, we expand the amuna within us by, by taking away that which resists the amuna. I think that's a little abstract, but I hope, did that make sense to anybody? Yes. Hopefully, maybe it does, at least as an abstract model. Hey, my cats, the questions are coming in. I hope you can handle them. <laughs> Fastening my seatbelt. <laughs> okay, I was just diagnosed with ALS, which my father passed away from by, um, based on a genetic test. I walk around all day in the house asking Hashem to remove the disease from me and heal me from the nerve damage already. So I took care of my father when I was 16, 
to 18 and I know exactly what happens. And so, I don't know, I've been, all day Friday, I was calling researchers all over the country for different methods of dealing with this, but I don't see like there's, you know, you can't say gamze yavor, you can't, I know there's an end to this, and I started thinking, well, maybe all my mitzvahs are finished already for my life, or whatever. I, I, I don't know where to go with this. Tell me your name. Or Yehudas, or Judy. Okay, Yehudas. Okay, so let's begin at the beginning. First of all, I'm sorry. I mean, I can't imagine how overwhelming that is. Especially you've seen it with your own father, and therefore, in some ways that makes it easier because you understand the path and I'm sure in some ways it's more tragic because you probably saw something inevitably painful play out in slow motion as a, as a loving, caring daughter as a child and now you feel you're condemned in some way to kind of go through that path. So let, let's begin at the beginning. You know, I'm not going to tell you why this is happening to you and I'm not going to answer all your questions right now and, and as if I knew and as if I could. But together, we can explore a little here. First of all, I, I want you to tell, tell you that nothing is inevitable. Even the world of modern science, scientists, scientific breakthroughs happen all the time, even to major illnesses and disease. And, and you know, there's tremendous tragedy that comes with this illness, but there's also a lot of research happening and, and nothing is, is a, a guaranteed negative, okay? So we have to hold that in mind, you heard us to begin with, Aleph, number one. Number two is, I, I want to tell you, I don't want to give you unrealistic expectations, but we also have to know Hashem is here and Hashem is giving this gift to you. He's giving this tremendous, overwhelming challenge to you. And there's something he believes that you could do here and now that would be heroic in the coming days, weeks, months of your journey. So let's explore how we could even begin to understand that. I want you to know I've worked with people with chronic illness for many, many years. And I've worked with them just following what the Svarama Kadoshim say. There was a, a young, wonderful woman that came to me when she was about 19, 20, 21. I was very close with her parents. And I was working with them on, on different things. And they were telling me about her daughter had just been diagnosed with the MS. And she was 19, 20. She was just starting. She took him to find a soulmate. And she couldn't. She ended up being in a wheelchair. And it was so tragic. She felt she was never going to be married, etc. And... One day, as, as I was, the parents used to come to my shirim and the workshops and the seminars and treats. And, you know, the, she was a young woman. She wasn't into that stuff. But they asked me to be with her one time. And she was telling me what it's like to, you know, be, not be able to walk anymore and the pain that she feels from the MS. And, and I did an avoda with her. I did a technique that is the Baustintov discusses, you know. And, and one thing I just asked her, you know, I asked her, you know, where is the pain most in your body? It was in her legs. And I asked her to feel into her legs. And I asked her, you know, what emotion are your legs feeling? And she thought that was a fun question. But she actually got an answer to that question. And what we did is I, I showed her how to enter into the vacus, into a deeper connection. And I showed her how to talk in the vacus to her legs. Rabbi Nachman says we need to talk to the parts of our body with blocks in them. It's a very interesting thing. And I, I want you to know that when we did that, in the middle of the session, Suddenly her legs were clear and suddenly they stopped hurting and suddenly she got up and walked around by herself. Now today, that girl is completely free of her mess. Now, Elizabeth Kelly, I'm not a miracle healer. Don't come running to me. I'm just telling you about the voters that Hashem is talking about, that the, 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 the Siddiquim were talking about. 
Today, there's something called psychoneuroimmunology, if you've ever heard about that. That is a whole medical field that in 10 words or less says that much of our physical illness can be generated from repressed trauma or unhealthy negative emotional states. And they basically map it out. This is hardcore science. This is 2,000 years. I can show you this in Chazal. I can show this in Kabbalah and Chassidus and Musa. But right now, let's just talk about science. It makes us feel good about ourselves. If we're validated by science, so let's celebrate that for a moment, right? That the emotions that we feel that we do not release affect our nervous system. We all know that when we're stressed, you know, our muscles become tight, right? We need a massage after a stressful day because our emotions are midas, a poil on the goof. Gavaldic, wonderful. So that's what happens, Aleph. And then, then once it goes into the nervous system, then it affects the immune system. And when it affects the immune system, the immune system can become blocked and therefore it doesn't allow us to access a natural capacity to heal ourselves. A natural capacity to heal ourselves. Because the Vakas and Kedusha are supposed to heal us. That's why the 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 Baal Tav, the, the speakers say that the, the Vakas is, is Yud, of the Yud Haven Vav Hay, the four letter name, right? And, and the, the, the essence of healing, right? Of, of Rafua, what's Rafua? Rafua is the oasis of the word Teferis, which is a race, pay, and aleph, which means balance and harmony. So I heal when, when my when my Nefesh of Bahamas, when my ego and my Nefesh, my Midas become more powerful to me than my Devakis, than my divine soul, I lose harmony between my consciousness and my body. But when I enter into Vegas, uh, the Baal Tov says that all illness comes when our body is no longer connected to our soul. And the connection of the body to the soul is the work of Amuna, number one. And that, that's why one of the words for, for sickness is Devai. Devai is flipped around. The, the, the oisif is the letter Yud. The Yud is, 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 is Devakis, is Chokmah, is higher consciousness. So when I, I, I disconnect and I flip around the letters and the power of connection, I collapse into my body. And my lifetime of fear and trauma collapses my nervous system, it collapses my immune system, and then illness comes to us. So all this is a long way of saying, you'll forgive me, Yehudas, it's a long way of saying the following thing. I believe with all my heart from what I've learned in Torah and what I've learned in science and what I've seen with many students is whether an illness like this is unstoppable or whether it's stoppable, it certainly progresses based on our state. And it certainly can be slowed down the more we strengthen our immune system, the more we strengthen our consciousness, the more we work through our blocks and the issues. It empowers the immune system to be more effective. And there's much research coming out to support these ideas more and more. So the question I ask you to consider, I don't know whether you're in therapy, I don't know whether you practice meditation, I don't know how much inner work you've done or excited or willing to do, is begin to master your consciousness. Begin to release your fear and your stress. First of all, the fear and stress about how bad the situation can be, about the, the, the most worst outcome. The first challenge that crashes our nervous system and crashes our immune system is the diagnosis itself because often it creates panic. Often we fear the worst case scenario, what the next 10, 20, 30 years are going to look like, five years or whatever it is. And that's the first thing that we have to clear and release, that I am loved. I am safe. Hashem is with me. There's good here. There's blessing. There's growth. I'm not abandoned. I have the strength and confidence to handle each day at a time. That's number one. So when I learn how to get the tools and resources, you order to do that. And the second stage is to go even deeper. The second stage is to go, what was that trauma like seeing my father go through that? What fear and doubt and pain have I had all my life? And when you release that more and more, 
you expand your consciousness, you expand your Muna, and you empower your body to tap the resources of your soul, to hit to the powers of self-healing, to the, to the resources necessary to, to overcome challenge, to strengthen the nervous system, to strengthen the immune system. And there's much more blessing that can come to your journey in the inner work. And, and, and then when you have that confidence and joy, I want you to know that's the state where miracles can happen. And if miracles don't happen as you expect them to happen, the process itself can bring joy every day and blessing every day and trust and confidence that, there's, that, that, that you are a light and the light within you is ultimately untouchable. And this is only to draw out that light. And wherever this journey will take you, you are light enough to hold space for it and to handle it. And this will not diminish you, but only empower you. But the work, the true work of all healing and the true work of all challenges, the work of building DAS and building your Amun. Hashem should bless you to do so. Wow. Judy, you're on? Yeah. You there, Judy? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Okay, a lot of people are texting. They, they want to say your name. They want to have your name to say to them. What's your name? Well, they Yudis. people want to pray for you, Judy. Yudis Bracha Bas Rachel. And I just lost my mother in 2019. Okay, so can we, can uh, Rabbi Katz, can we say Kapitel together? Kapitel together? Will us? you please, please, please lead it, Asha, please lead okay. it. Okay, okay, Menachem's going to lead it. I'm going to put, I'm going to say chapter 130, let's all say it for Lema. Okay, Menachem, slowly, everybody the screen will come up, you can say it in English or in Hebrew. Let's all say it in a schos for her to have a Fuz Lema. Menachem, go. Shimobikoilitianos <laughs> Hi, so my name is Shani. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to ask you, what are the steps that you take to bring your Amuna from the Moach to the Hergish? Fine. Hello, Shani. First of all, have you ever meditated before, Shani? I have meditated, but not so much spiritually. Fine. I don't know what that distinction is, because all meditation <laughs> is about consciousness. Let's play a game right now. Shani, can, can you think of one moment in your life when you felt tremendously loved? Yeah, sure. Everyone should be playing this game as well. Okay, I want you to think about it. Where was it? What was the time? What was the day? Tell me when you got it. I got it. Okay, good. Think of another. Can you think of a second moment right now when you mummish felt like you're in a spiritual higher place where Hashem was with you, that the heavens opened, maybe you were at the Katal or Kivay Tzadikim or I don't know, somewhere where you just felt really spiritually connected, a second moment. Tell me when, if you got one. I got one. Great. Wonderful. Can you think of a moment when you loved somebody else? Yes, sure. Great. You got three. You got them clear. Go back to the first one. When you felt yeah. love. 
Go to the second one when you felt spiritually connected. Go to the third one when you love someone else. Can you think of a moment now, number four, where you felt tremendous success, joy from success when you overcame something or you succeeded in something that was just this feeling of had slapped. Let me know when you got that. Yes, I could think of more than, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure you can think of more than one. That's fantastic. Okay, I want everyone, if you're playing this as well, I want everyone just to close their eyes just for a second and sit wherever you are. No, meditation is a big fancy word that scares people. Devakis is a bigger fancy word that scares people. Let's just keep this as simple as possible, okay? I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to think of that moment you felt loved. And I just want you to use all your senses, meaning where were you? What time of day was it? Who was there? What colors were there? What did you see? What did you hear? I want you to watch it like a little movie. Play out the scene and watch the, the moment where that love comes in. And when you play the scene and you make contact with that person, they look at you, look at them, however it is, I want you to rewind and play the scene again. Do that right now for a second. Can you do that, Shani? Are you able to do that? Yes, I did it uh, twice. Great, great. Now stop. Now let's move to the second one. What was the second one we said? A moment where? You well, felt it was spiritually two moments connected. where you felt yeah, spiritually connected. Right? Great, so good. I want you to now close your eyes and watch that as a scene right now. Where were you? Where you were standing and sitting? How long did it last for? What were the words that opened your hearts? What was, how did it feel in the moment? What, how were you seeing the environment around you? What were you feeling about life? What did you smell? What did you hear? What did you taste? Rewind and play. Rewind and play. Okay, Shania, I, I want you to jump right now to the third one of, of uh, you loved someone. What was that moment when you felt tremendous love for someone? Time of day, who the person was, the look in their eyes what they were wearing, what were you wearing? What did it feel like in the room? What were the sounds around you? What were the smells around you? Rewind and play it, rewind and play it. Fill in all the details you can right now. Okay, fourth one, tremendous Hatzalaka success. Think of the situation where you felt tremendous success. What did it feel like? Where were you standing? What was the story that led up to that moment? Visualize colors sights, sounds, details. How did the, the moment of energy of success rise up within you? What did it do to your mind and body? What were your thoughts about that you're, you're unstoppable now, you can do anything? Okay, Shannon, I want you to go back to the first one now. A moment when you fell loved by someone. Just keep watching it over and over. I hope everyone else is doing this too. Now, Shani, jump to the second one, a time of you felt ruchnius, a deep spiritual connection. Just relive that now over and over. Okay, the third one, when you felt tremendous love for someone. See it, feel it, remember it, details, colors. Jump to the fourth one, a time of tremendous success. Go back to the first one, a time when you felt tremendous love. I want you to realize that love that you felt 
from another was really a love from Hashem. Hashem just used that person to shine that love into your heart. Feel that That's love powerful. and realize it's from Hashem. It is powerful. Now it's opening up. Keep going. Go to the second one, the Ruchnius. You know what was giving you that feeling of spirituality? Hashem wanted you to feel his love. Hashem wanted you to feel his holiness. So he, in that moment, created that whole situation. That whole moment, he set it all up from the time of creation to give you a feeling because he was wanted to, you to feel his Kedusha. Feel that now. Go to the third one, someone that you love. Hashem created that person to show you the love that you have within. Hashem is generating that soul and opening your eyes to see the good, but everything you love about that person is just a part of Hashem. It's just the light of Hashem. Feel that within your heart now. See, that person is just like a slide that Hashem's love and goodness and beauty and cuteness and sweetness is shining through that person. It's really the chain of Hashem. Okay, the fourth one, the success. Hashem created that whole situation so you would feel divine Hatzlacha. The power that you have to overcome and achieve. I want you to realize all of them right now are just Hashem the whole time. There was nothing else but Hashem. Shani, can you feel that in your heart right now, even a little bit? Oh, definitely stronger. Like I think in the back of my head, like, you know, all these ideas, but to actually feel it is a whole different level. That's right. You know, the, the, the head can think of a truth in a moment. Hashem loves me. But the heart takes time to have its lavish. The, the, you have to move the head around. I mean, that one says you have to go from thought to thought, idea to idea, memory to memory, and give it five minutes, 10 minutes, and then it starts to come into your heart. And the more passionate your heart gets about it, the more it cleanses and purifies your heart. Shana, I promise you, if you now turn off this annoying video session with me and you spend five to 10 minutes, the guys are never going to hire me again, I'm putting the audience up. You spend five to 10 minutes doing that right now, your heart will be full of overwhelming love and joy. This is a very easy technique. This is called Rikos Amakshava. So you five to about 10 seconds on each positive idea, go round and round, realize from, that's from Hashem, keep it up for five to 10 minutes, and you'll be amazed that your heart will be overflowing with tremendous love and, and connection to Hashem. That is a simple and beautiful introduction to answer your questions. Does that help, Shani? Yes, this is definitely a good beginning. I have a question. Do you do this work in America too, or you only do it in Israel? We, you know, before the world melted down with the, the pandemic, we were in America two to three times a year. We ran seminars and retreats there. If you check, I'm not here to sell promote, but if you check our elevationproject.com, um, you know, we have a lot of events and different things that we're planning for the, in the next couple of years. Now that people can fly and move and do it again. Um, we have an online program, elevationmastery.com. You're welcome to check out our, our YouTube page. I don't know if people in your neck of the woods go on YouTube, but there's tons of free classes and content there where we teach these techniques. And, and, you know, this is our tradition. This is our, our tradition. This is real life Amuna. And Amuna of the life, we need to be able to learn to bring, as you said, it's not something not enough to know something. You have to bring it down to the heart, feel it. This is Yisrael Salanta as well, his pilots. You have to say something over and over again till you feel it so deeply within your heart. And then it begins to transform us. That the challenge in the world today, Coach Menachem asked this question before, we didn't get to it, is people have an amuna because they were taught something to be true, but they don't really feel it in the heart. This is a tremendous challenge in the film world. I don't want to go into this now. 
it's a whole class and discussion on ourselves. But there's many people that could be firm and keep mitzvahs of their life, and they know all the lines about all the truth. And the Kaddish Baruch who runs the world, they say, Baruch Hashem, and the answer to every question, but their heart is full of anything but Hashem. And it's because it's not enough to know something intellectually. You have to know how to meditate, how to be misboyne, and how to do his buddhidus, to feel that in the heart so deeply, so consistently, until the feeling of the heart becomes more real to you. The feeling of a moon in the heart becomes more real to you than any of the other chaos of life. And that is the true path to Amuna. And, and I hope that helps. Thank you so much. Yes, you definitely You're gave welcome. me a beginning. I think this is like a beginning. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's all about the beginning. Forget, somebody texted, does it make sense for a person to cry while doing this exercise? Can that be part of the meditation? I find myself overcome with emotion. That, that those tears... Um, I'd like to know what the, de- the motion was. There's two kinds of tears, but absolutely a person cries and the crying is the, the, um, the, the, I had a love that told me that, te- that the eyes are perception, how we perceive reality and the, t- the, the, the tears are cleansing away our perception. That means if a person can feel in their hearts and they don't realize it, you know, I believe in Hashem, I'm from, I know Hashem creates the world. But in my heart, I feel I'm abandoned. He's not with me. He doesn't care for me. I'm not worthy of that love. And then what they do is they think about, you know, the, all this gratitude, this time Hashem loved me, this time Hashem connected with me. They start to realize in their heart that Hashem is really with them. You know, if, if, if it's not enough to believe Hashem in your head because that doesn't help you when you go through challenges, when you feel it in your heart. And a person can feel in their heart, Hashem abandoned me. He's given up and I'm not worthy. And then a person just thinks and meditates on there is tremendous good in my life. There is tremendous love in my life. And when the heart says, no, Hashem has abandoned me, and suddenly the heart goes, no, he didn't abandon me. He was always with me. He always cared for me. When that releases, that can result in tears. The water comes to cleanse our understanding so that we can now become strong and sure. And that, my friends, by definition, is the avoda of Amuna. That is, is adding more faith to our hearts. It's cleansing out the clippers, the resistance to Amuna, and it's opening our heart and our perception to sing Hashem was with, with me more. That, um, from that moment on, our hearts become stronger in our faith, and we become stronger human beings to do our vote as Hashem and see Hashem and everything to experience, not just know, but to experience and feel that really ain't on Bavadai, everything is from Hashem, and the true litmus test is everything is really good, and that's what it means it's from Hashem. So yes, tears are beautiful and healing. Rabbi Katz, uh, or or it was watching. You want to know? Do you do the same thing with journaling? Does it have to actually be done via meditation? So that's a that's a wonderful question. There's a tremendous power in journaling. There's even like some science coming out about the psychological benefits of of, of mental well-being through journaling. So there's a lot of value to journaling, um, and you if, if that works for you, that's fine. Um, but there's it's not the end of it. Okay, so there's a, a tremendous power of the quest of Dibo. Rabbi Nachman talks about when doing this work, we should speak it out loud to put it into words. Shem created the world with words. We connect to the Shekinah when we use words. There's also tremendous power in actual physical speech that awakens our heart. And there's many other states that we can <laughs> meditate back and forward and do many other things. So I always say journaling is a wonderful thing to do, which allows cheshbon and nefesh, self-reflection, allows inner processing. Um, which is wonderful, but it's not the end of the game, right? It's, it's a wonderful foundation for a person that does it and does it well. But there's many other wonderful things that have to be covered and experienced besides journaling. That is my answer to that question. Okay, you're online. Let's go to the next question. There's so many. Let's go. 
Hi. Becky. Yes, hi. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you, Baruch Hashem. Okay. Where are you calling from? Where are you from? Um, I'm from Manchester, England, but I'm living here in New York. Oh, okay. Actually, for quite quite a number of years, I should say, but I still have the luck of keeping my accent. And very happy to be on my, the show. My mother, my mother was from Manchester, and I had a Mancunian accent all my life, no real reason. My mother was so, from Manchester. May I inquire yeah. who she is? Yeah, we'll, we'll play Jewish geography when there's not a few hundred people listening. We'll, we'll get <laughs> back to that. We'd love to have your question now. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, I'm very, very into Emuna as of the last four or five years. And first of all, you've blown me away with the last couple of questions. What I was originally going to be speaking about, you've answered in a lot of ways, but my, I just wanted to give a very short perception of where I am with Emuna. I mean, I've had major, major challenges and I'm able to honestly, honestly thank Hashem for one reason, and of course, people many times do say that they find that they have a closeness to Hashem, become a lot closer. That's the truth. But I have a strong query here, and I know it's the eight Sahara possibly, and it might not be. It might be Hashem testing me. And the thing is, the challenges that I find, I turn to Hashem and I just feel totally, totally depleted, even though I have the emuna. My question, I don't question Hashem. I'm not, I'm not, you know, in any, any, any way doubting that this is for my best. And it's like I say, it's not from a week. It's not from a month. It's from the last, I would say, six years that, like you say, continuous spoiled us, learning from different sfarim, and opening Amuna groups myself. I, you know, learn with people from different things. And I get the concept, but you said something before um, to the effect of, um, if I can just get it right, something that you, when you're asking this woman to do these tests, you know, to go back and to focus and to feel, is it, my question is, is this like a game that, not has to show them a game, it's wrong for me to say that, but what is it? If, if we jump over each hurdle and pass it, is this the whole idea of what the challenge is being sent to us for, is to see how... It, it, it's the challenges, the challenges are prompt to grow, but it can feel like a game when it just goes on endlessly and I feel still stuck in the same place, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's not that I right. feel it's just like so, is it Becky? Becky's above that. I'm sorry. Is it, your name is Becky? What was your name? Yeah, Becky. Well, Rebecca, Becky. People call me Becky, yes. It's, uh, what, what would you like us to call you? Rebecca? Fine. So let, let's make this simple for you as possible. Well, I've done seminars and retreats all around the world. We've done things in Manchester, we've done things in London. And the rule is always the same. And here's a pant you see with from people a lot. They say exactly what you said. They say that I'm full of Amuna. I learn about Amuna. I work on Amuna. I'm taking this very, very seriously. And I go through challenge and challenge and challenge and challenge. And I, I know Hashem is with me. And I thank Hashem for my challenges. But I'm just depleted. I'm just, I can't do it anymore. I'm just finished. I'm just exhausted, right? So... 
what I want you to know, and I, I don't mean to be insensitive, I'm, I'm trying to open you up to a new way of, of seeing and understanding the challenge at play. What I found of working with thousands of people on this particular area is the following thing, is that even that, all that I'm working on when I understand and when I know Hashem's within me, I try and find gratitude for everything, that can still be in the head. And there's a part in your heart that's still like, I can't take it anymore. I'm so weak. I'm so depleted. It hurts me so much. And the more I work on the moon in the head, the more I understand it, there's a part of the heart that's not being reached. There's a part of the heart of despair, of frustration. And, and I've seen people who are reverences that can stand up and talk about a moon and say, one of they walked into so much. And then suddenly you, you listen to their story and you realize from the time they were five years old and their mother yelled at them and the time there were 17 kids in the house, they never got that attention. And in school, you know, they were kind of felt beaten to a pulp and not heard or respected. And all challenge after challenge, they always just felt, you know, I'm, I'm just alone and I'm abandoned. I'm alone and abandoned. And that person can be giving shirim in the moon and that person can be teaching a moon and that person, you know, every Torah, you know, any sadik ever gave. But it's still depleting them. And the reason that they're, they're depleting them, you know, in, in modern terminology, they, they're carrying within them on a non-conscious level. That's called tatakara, a Yisrael Salanta, right? The subconscious. It's what we call the midas. Kazal called the midas safoini, which means the hidden. It's hidden from our consciousness. They carry within them a part of them that says, I'm weak and I'm abandoned and I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be stuck and I'll never have the ability to rise up against this. But they've never been able to bring that to their attention. And therefore, all the work they're doing in Amuna for many years can be good. It can be nice. It can, it can be working. But it's, it's, it's a, to a degree superficial. I'm not diminishing the good work you've done. But there's a point that it's not yet reaching. One of the signs of true Amuna that the Siddiquim say, Rebecca, is is chiyas, is energy and we know asaf that represents the 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 sahara asaf was depleted in his energy he came in and he just wanted his lentil soup so to speak right he was exhausted because he was out there doing sins he was out there caught in his pirate his desire so one of the signs of depletion you see this with people suffering from chronic fatigue of me and all these kind of things is often some kind of pain some kind of anxiety some kind of, this woman I dealt with with MS I was telling you about, she had lots of that growing up. She felt she was an extremely sensitive child in, in basic of school and she didn't connect to the teachers. She didn't connect to the other girls. She always felt like a loner on the outside, unloved and unlovable and unseen. And all the work, it's possible a person works for years and years, but they're still feeling just, uh, just depleted because there's a point, there's an akura that they're mooning that the light is not reaching. And it's not a game Hashem is doing to you. Hashem is pushing you to find it and realize it. it. Hashem is pushing us to finally go, oh, I never saw that. And when you can show that to a person, when you can find it and you go, oh, now I understood why well, I had to keep coming. I never realized. I was so used to that feeling of just abandonment in my heart that I, I built a structure, a binion of a moon around it. And I said the words and I felt good feelings and I, I knew it was the right thing, but I never realized that guilt that I have within me, that worthlessness I have within me, the sense of victimhood, victimhood, my sense for you, Becca, there's a little sense of victimhood that you carry deep within your heart. And that victimhood keeps you coming back to feeling depleted. If you can begin to tune to it, attune yourself to it. If you ask Hashem, Hashem, show me where that victimhood is, show me where that is. Bring that to my awareness. So let show me how to win the game. 
Show me how to find why this keeps ha happening. I, I believe with all my heart, it's not for no reason. There's a reason here. Rebecca, when I say the, the idea of victimhood, does that ring true to anymore? Can you feel that a little? Can you sense what I'm referring to? Hello. Hello. Yes. Wow. Um, this has been so refreshing. I feel like so much has been taken off my heart. I mean, I feel like I've unloaded a lot. I actually, and I'm not ashamed to say it, the tears are pouring. Definitely. I have rights to feel victimized. I, I will not go into, of course, my life. And, but there is definitely reasons for it. And when you were saying, ask Hashem, show me, you know, I've mentioned it. I've once been on the air before here with Rabbi, um, uh, for, uh, what's his name, Weinberger. And Shabbos is the worst time for me. I was saying I'm on my own. And every single Shabbos, I promise myself, there is no thing I will stay home. I'm a very personal person. I will go out. I have invitations. Baruch Shem, I have children. The minute I light those candles, I hit that bed and will not come out till Matzah Shabbos. And I'm a mm, person mm. to take on to heal him. And I, I'll get up for just the necessities. And I, I, I want Shabbos is so from really from Sunday, Monday on, I, I wait for it. And I feel honestly at this point, I feel that Hashem doesn't want me to enjoy Shabbos. I won't be Mahalal Shabbos in any way. I will not be, I just want to dissociate from the world. If I can't have a Shabbos where I can have my own family there, and maybe I, I just need the strength to overcome that. That would be like such a great barrier to so, break through. I, 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 want, I want to change the words for you. You don't need the strength to overcome that yet. Now you need the strength to dive into it and find out the true pain that's there. There's an interesting line you said, you know, you suggested, I, you know, you've got reasons to feel that victimhood. You've got, re you've gone through trauma, you've gone through challenges. Listen, I totally hear that. And I don't want to diminish that in any way. You've gone through objective pain and suffering and trauma, and that's very real. But I, I want to give you a different way to see it, not in any way to diminish it, but to perhaps give you a window to the Shabbos and the connection and the energy of which you seek. And that is, there's one reason Hashem, gave you those challenges is to bring up within you something that wasn't just for you from this life but was from previous lives as well is a feeling of victimhood a feeling of abandonment abandonment and alone in darkness and he wants you to know that that's a lie that you can't be abandoned alone with darkness even as a child even with suffering when everything is full of light and love and the realization of that is the path to healing. I mean, that's the essence of Shabbos, that the awe of Shabbos comes into the call, it comes into the darkness of the week. And that is the path to the Shabbos within, the awe of Shabbos, the awe of Das, the awe of Amuna, all the same idea. So more than having the strength to overcome, forgive me for saying my good and holy friends in the film world, but there's a big Yetzirah that destroys, I think, many from the Shamas is that we see a moon and means I'm just going to overcome and move forward. You can't overcome and move forward until you first stop and recognize the challenge and sit with the challenge and own the challenge. So I don't want you yet, Rebecca, Rivka, to overcome. I don't want you to move on. I want you to be able to sit shiver with that perception. Wow. Right? 
and, and, and I want you to be able to feel that and know that and find someone to do that. And it's when you can do that and when you can see it, when we rush to move on from something, have a Muna, we're avoiding the issue. Some people, the Muna, answering Coach Menachem's question, the Muna is really a path of avoidance for many people. Spiritual bypass. Believe in Hashem, Buh Hashem, Hodel Hashem Kitav, Gilam Chazdoi. They're all nice things to say, but they're really not going into their kishkas. And there's no real transformation. There's no real awe. And Rebecca, victimhood is not defined by what you've been through. It's defined by what you take on from what you've been through. You can go through tremendous challenge, but you can find the place in your heart to realize there's blessing and good and growth from that. Hashem wants you to know that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you are, Hashem was always with you and is always with you. When you can stop and find that pain and bring that light and message and healing to your heart, then you'll be able to live with Shabbos, not just as Shabbos, but all of the week. That is the healing we seek. You should be blessed to know you were never abandoned. Hashem was always with you and find the healing and blessing to come from that. Wow. Brother Daniel, this is too much. I think we need a part two, three, four, five, six. We have seven more live questions. Okay, well, can we take a... Can I go back to bed before that happens? Before we get to the, the sequels? Um, can we... Can, uh, okay, how many? Let's take one or two more, okay? You okay with that, Rabbi Katz? Yeah, I'm here. Hineni. Okay, Hineni. Okay, you're on. Hi, how are you? Hi, um, good, thanks. So I think my question connects a lot to what Rebecca just spoke about and also what Bracha was talking about earlier um, in regards to mistakes. And um, I feel like um, when you were talking about Hashem gives us major tests and he keeps testing us in a certain akuda that we need to work and overcome. Uh, I felt like I was, I was tested in my marriage and I, I knew I was being tested and I wanted to do better. And um, I had my own issues coming into it. And I think I just kept making mistakes um, that eventually unfortunately led to divorce and, um, and we didn't have children. And after the divorce, as soon as I got the gut, I felt like uh, waves of clarity just came to me and the mistakes that I made and how much I regretted um, going through with the divorce and not fighting for that, for the marriage, not fighting to win the test. Um, because I knew Hashem was with me. And, and now, ever since then, it's been about a year and a half, I, I don't know where to be. I don't know where I am. I feel like my heart was left um, in my old apartment. I feel like my neshama, my spirituality, my connection to Hashem was left in my old apartment. And um, I'm grateful for the things that I have right now, but I'm back in my parents' home and um, I, when I look out, literally when I open my eyes, I feel dizzy because I can't connect to where I am in reality. And I feel so just so disconnected. So, so lost from what I thought my purpose could be. And wow. Remind, remind me your name, Sarah. How old are you, Sarah? 34. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're there. 
and my heart breaks to feel how lonely that must feel. And there's a lot of kind of feeling within what you're saying that you're blaming yourself, right? Did I get myself here? Did I blow up the marriage? Did I cause myself to crumble this opportunity that Hashem gave? So there's tremendous pain of where you are right now. And there's also this tremendous, can I use the word guilt trip as well, that you're doing to yourself? So here's the picture that you're painting, Sarah. Here's the picture that you're painting. That you should have been better and more perfect to make that marriage work. And really, you had all the tools and resources and abilities and love and compassion and emotional health and capacity to love to absolutely make that relationship work. But because you're so messed up, you didn't. And now you're back in your parents' house, 34 years old, abandoned and alone. Will I ever be loved again? Did I blow the gift that I was given? And when you take the pain of the past and the failings of the past and you project it on the future, how can you see any hope? How can you see any goodness or light or possibility? Is what I'm saying resonating at all? A hundred percent. Okay. You're lying to yourself, Sarah. You're creating a story that is neither true nor does it serve you. The proof that you did not have the ability to make that marriage work is that you didn't. I can hear your sweetness. I can hear your sincerity. I believe that if you would have had the capacity, the resources to make that marriage work, it would have worked. I want you to know that to get married is a mitzvah, but to get divorced is also a mitzvah. You know, Hashem really thinks out of everything. And I say to people getting divorced, like every mitzvah has to be done with simcha. Divorce is also a mitzvah has to be done with simcha. I understand divorce is every woman's biggest nightmare. Ironically, yes, more than a man's. But so uh, sometimes in life, there's a different story. Let me tell you a different story. There's challenges you had growing up, which were from this life and maybe other lives as well. And Hashem wants you to confront that because he wants you to love he wants you to be worthy of love. He wants you to be a wonderful mother. He wants you to be alive and thriving and joyful and giving love and receiving love. But he knows there's this certain stuff, baggage, junk, clippers, mirrors, right eyes that we have. And he knows that you have to overcome them. And he knows for you, there's something about love and connection and intimacy. There's something about vulnerability and authenticity in a relationship. So he has to put you into that place to bring out the worst of it so that you will see it and learn it and grow for it so that you can get divorced. Forgive me for saying, and I know you're going to get what I mean, Baruch Hashem, there were no kids from that. So that in the next marriage relationship, you will have those kids and you will do that in a deeper, more wonderful place. He put you through that so that it would fail, so that you could learn and grow, so you could heal your fear and doubt, so that you will become the person who can love and receive love in the way you've always yearned to be. So that now when you marry, you'll be ready to do that in the deepest sense. And you sound right on track besides the guilt trip part. You sound like a person that's taking ownership. You know how many men fall out of marriage and they spend the next 20 years going, it was because of her, because of her, because of her with no sense of what they contributed. You said rare and precious words. Maybe there's something that I did to contribute. Have you learned about some of your challenges? And if you 
tried to work hard on, on overcoming those and healing those. Have you done some of that work, Sarah? Yes. Yes. Do you feel that you're a better person now than you were before you went into that marriage? Yeah. In what way? How have you grown? How are you better? Um, I think I've learned how to be less less selfish in my own spirituality and mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. giving in a grounded way and for what what people need at that time rather than putting my own putting my own needs first and my own quote unquote spiritual needs first. Mm, mm, okay. So so here's the most awful thing I can say to you, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> Not Baruch Hashem, but you've had to suffer. But Hashem, you are an upwardly, upwardly mobile, holy soul. You're sincere about spiritual growth, right? And Hashem is teaching you to be more humble, more kind, more giving, more nurturing. I'm not, I don't think you were ever not completely not that. But he took you through a journey of fire to open up your heart, to be more kind and giving and generous and loving. I don't, I'm not saying the guy didn't have issues as well, but look at, look at the gift here. Can you see a blessing and a gift from that journey despite the pain? Yes or no? Yes. Can you, is there part of you that is able to say thank you to Hashem for taking you through that to getting you to be 34 years old? By the way, there's some people in bad marriages and they're, they're, they're 50 and they don't grow at all. Baruch Hashem, I know you probably think 34 is unbelievably and possibly old, but it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not. And then love is possible and joy is possible, especially to a woman who's willing to grow and build and is in a, a, a path of a Vodas Hashem, of a B'nai Aliyah, of becoming more loving, more present, more caring. That's you. You are open to relationship more now, emotionally and spiritually and psychologically than you were five years ago, 10 years ago, and to a healthier relationship probably. So can you see, can you have any, do you have any sense of gratitude that Hashem has brought you along and opened you up and healed you? Did you have, can, you, can you sense that a little in an authentic way? Yeah. Yeah, so you hear yeah. the doubt underneath the, the yes, great. So he, here's the secret, Sarah. So is you are, from this day forward, you're going to commit in front of hundreds of people right now to end the guilt trip. Forget the lie that that marriage was meant to work, but I was so messed up that I broke it. And enter into a new understanding. That marriage was meant to crash me, to teach me, to grow me. And it achieved its goal exactly. And now I have to believe that I've learned the lesson. And through the learning of the lesson, I created a Pesach, an opportunity for new light, for new love and blessing to come in. It's not the history was I was given the perfect opportunity and I failed. It was I was given an opportunity for growth and I succeeded. And when you succeeded, now the growth and the blessing can come. The one bigger challenge you have to get out of Sarah is you still carry this feeling of, I am so unworthy, I've blown it. I am so unworthy, I've blown it. Can you feel that within you? Yep. Can you feel it in your heart? Put your right hand on your chest. I'm so unworthy, I've blown it. (laughs) Do something with her and I just say the line, I'm so unworthy, I've blown it. Can you say it for, for me right now? I'm so unworthy, I've blown it. Good, say it again. I'm so unworthy, I've blown it. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. Keep saying it. Don't stop. Don't stop. We're going to draw that poison out of you. Keep going. I'm, I'm so, so unworthy. I've blown, I've blown it. it. I'm so unworthy. So unworthy. I've, I've blown, blown it. it. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. Keep I've, going. 
Watch what happens when you keep going. So unworthy of love. Right? Keep going. Keep going. Look how good you are at saying this. You're great. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. Don't laugh. You're going to mess up your depression. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. Keep going. I've blown it. Wow. It's really dramatic. Look how strong it is. It's like Shakespearean level kind of despair. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. Keep going. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. I'm so unworthy. I've blown it. I've blown it. I'm epically unworthy. I've totally blown it. <laughs> I'm Listen, you, you, epically you, unworthy. You, I've totally blown it. Wow, you're next level unworthy. This is awesome. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel right now, Sarah? I feel a little less connected to that statement. That's right. A little less connected. You brought it up to DAS. You didn't negate it. You put your attention on. You gave it speech. This is just part of a vidui pair. You expressed out the feeling and it's lightened the load. I can feel it's lightened the load in you. Can you feel that a little? Yeah. Can you feel that a little? Good. I want you to get off this phone call. I'm just throwing all the audience out slowly by slowly. So it's just me, Asha, and then happen together, just like the old days. And I just want you to keep saying that over and over again until it feels silly. And then replacing that, you can get an upload and an upgrade. Salva 2.0, and you can say, I went through hell to learn an incredible lesson. I've been humbled. I'm more compassionate. I'm more giving and loving. I'm more roy now for a true, deep relationship. And Hashem, I took the work seriously. Now, bless me and let's begin a, a bring me an incredible relationship more than I imagined. And whatever you do, your only work is, your only work is, Sarah, to strip out that false self-perception that I'm unworthy and I've blown it, that ridiculous guilt trip. You are worthy because you were given a challenge and you grew from it and became a better human being from it. That's the definition of tzra. That's the definition of being right. That's the definition of, of being having that tzlaf and a vote to Hashem. Turn to Hashem with confidence and say, Hashem, bless me to continue growing and to continue going in love and continue going and loving of myself. The more you love yourself, you've learned how to give love even more. Now give more love to yourself and let that take you in a path of more healing and more connection. And that should bring you your ziva gomiti. And when you stand on the chuppah, you're going to think about the session we did together. And you're going to say, Baruch Hashem, thanks for taking me through the darkness so I can grow and learn, so I can get to a relationship. Now I can truly give and I can truly receive on the deepest level. You should be blessed to get to that matzav soon, not just with a guy, but with your own heart, your own healing, your own self-love. Shem should bless you, Sarah. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You're welcome. Or, um, send an email to coachmanachem at gmail. So a few different people wanted to email you different things. Okay? Can you send us an email? Thanks. Daniel, I, I have another, like, 10 questions. So I, I, I do need to go to sleep. I know you're fully charged right now. You're drinking... Uh, Red Bull with vodka over there, but I'm 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 falling asleep. It's twelve o'clock, but I I wanted, take, I wanted to take a poll. I never did this before, but I want to take a poll. Is that okay? Let's take a poll. Here we go. Um, where is it? Let's do this one. Okay, everybody who's on the share now, the four hundred people that are here left. Do you want Rabbi Daniel Katz to come back on the same topic? Yes, the same topic. So much more to ask. Maybe on another topic, please. Or option three, no thank you. Please don't ever bring him back again. Please and vote. stay out with the door slam. Stay out. Yeah, Daniel, you could see it. Nobody could see it yet. You see, you see what's going on? I can't see anything. Oh, you can't I'm see it. Okay. 
I've got a phone, not a computer. Oh, you have the phone. Okay. I'll read it. Because I have a very high-tech phone, as I warned yeah, everybody you. Everybody yes. vote. Be honest, vote, because it's very important. Three seconds. My wife says, no, thank you, because I wanted to get a good night's sleep. Right. Your wife so says, no, thank be... you. Your wife said, put them on the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> My wife would not say that. <laughs> okay, let's share the results. You ready? Yeah, let's see the results. 87% of people, over 200 and four people said they want to come back on this specific topic to do part two. And 30%, 30 people. Yeah, those are probably all the live questions we have. All 204 is live questions. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and yeah, right. maybe on a different topic. And one person said, no, I think they clicked by mistake. One person okay. said, thank you. Could it be my wife? And by the way, <laughs> I don't want that person to come back either. Yeah, that's from the comma. Mutual. I can't believe that person gave to this class. I, I hated their presence. They typed time. in they typed in the wrong Zoom code. They were looking for the other one, you know? Not to believe. Okay. I, I appreciate right. you fighting the recruiter. But then we have the closing, you know, we're gonna do the closing Okay, now I want to the person okay. Oh, I've seen the next thing who does all the questions. We had so many live questions, we told everybody to wait, 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 because there were so many. So we apologize because we just couldn't get to it. And it was tonight was next level, you know? Next level, as I said. So let's go to closing. Yeah, this is Rav Daniel. This was the first year that basically everything was just straight live. Okay, I want to give first of all, to Rav Daniel Katz from Eretz Yisrael, who now it's, uh, what time is it now by him? It's now like seven o'clock, right? Coming yeah. out tonight and giving us so much physic and really, really being mechazic, such a huge crowd. Tonight was very emotional, it was very real. It was very powerful. And uh, what, what do you say to our, to our, to our Hevra? Unbelievable, no? This is beautiful. This is, it's real talk, but you live up to the real talk. It's real... When you people's kishkas here. You guys, there's 400 people sitting here. What time it is? You realize what time it is? Well, I can't believe they all got up at 4.30 in the morning. That's so inspiring. They all, they all, they all, they all addicted to caffeine. That's why. That's why. Focus okay. for Red Bull. To Matthew okay. Vegas. And again, the shares every Sunday night at this time, 10 p.m., the Zoom ID, you know, a lot of Rabbanim, different topics. Rabbi Daniel was amazing. Please come on every Sunday, tell people about it. So much because it's been given. Again, tonight's share is sponsored by Recovery at the Crossroads. Recovery at the Crossroads is the only kosher inpatient treatment center in the tri-state area. They are licensed for occurring treatment facility, which means they are licensed to not only treat substance abuse, but also any other underlying mental conditions, anxiety, depression, trauma, lack of amuna. If you have any other struggling with addiction, if you have any other struggling with addiction, please feel free to reach out to them at 888-466-5950, 888-466-5950. Again, everybody's here tonight. Um, I had the pleasure of being with Rav Shimmer Russell um, for Shabbos. He will be coming on next Sunday, June 20th. You're going to be a powerful, powerful share discussing the heart of the marriage fundamentals of what love and connection is and how to be working as one unit. So please come on early. It's going to be a, a very, very sold out crowd and it's going to be powerful and we're very excited. Again, everything tonight is recorded. It's going to be on www.menachemberfield.com. Anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. Tonight's share, share number 59, Nuntes. If you have any, if it's also it's going to be recorded on the phone. If people want to just pull up and listen to it, it's 848-777-GROW. It's also, if you have Apple, the podcast is going to be an Apple podcast, or it's on Spotify as well. So there's many different ways to listen to it. It's also on Kalalashim as well. Um, I want to thank you to all the advertising sponsors that promote us, the Lakewood Scoop. Special thank you to Robbie and Ethan Chazak, Chazak, Office Program for any more information, go to Chazak.org. Special thanks to Robbie for connecting us to Daniel Katz. He was like, Gerev Daniel Katz on, it's going to blow the roof off. So Robbie was definitely uh, on target tonight. 
Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman, Shul Sarf, and JCN, Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us on all the digital Jewish platforms. And let's go to closing statements. First, Coach Menachem will go, and then Reb Daniel. Coach Menachem. Thank you, Reb Daniel. I, I feel I don't want to talk too much because I'm going to take everybody back into their das, into the logic. I think many people had a experience today slowly understanding a mashahu, understanding a little bit of what it means to take what you know and to start experiencing it. And yes, for some people, it feels like a game. And the whole uh, idea of meditation and stopping and feeling, many of our people, weren't, we didn't grow up with this and this is all new. And it does take time. And I, I do want to throw in a question to Adoniel, maybe a different time. Is it possible for somebody sitting here and listening to this and while they're in their pain, not to be able to do this work yet because of there's so much going on and they just can't listen. They can't even listen to this. So uh, I don't know, I don't know the answer now, but to understand that they can always come back here and uh, I know you have hours and hours and retreats on these things. And over here, we sat for maybe an hour and a half to touch a little bit of these concepts. But uh, I think we've touched a little bit. And uh, I give a bracha for everybody who was here and for everybody who needs it. For those who need the refu shalema, beguf, benefesh, Hashem should send it to them, it's Hashem. And uh, guide us to where we need to so we can see and find and feel emuna. And connected the Vekas Bashem. Shkoyaf. Rabbi Daniel, before you go into your closing statements and give everybody chizik before you leave tonight, because it was a lot of raw pain, I'm getting a tremendous amount of text messages. What's your contact info? What's your website? What do you do? Who are you? Where are you? So, if you give a little <laughs> brief summary and then go into the closing, I'd appreciate it. The same questions my kids ask Who are you? Where are you? You're busy around the world. I get these questions all the time. Um, um, anyone's interested in what we do, you can check out elevationproject.com, elevationproject.com. We have an online learning program. Check out elevationmastery.com with hundreds of hours of videos of sources of all going through sources of, of all this inner work, the vacus and to commit us and to fill with Kavana, all, all these wonderful things. There's lots of free videos on YouTube if that interests people. We do seminars and retreats and all these kind of things. We've been, you know, on the lowdown during the COVID pandemic period, and, and hopefully the next few months we're going to wake up again and, and get busy with, uh, with you know, working with people and, and raising up, elevating some of the shamans in the world, in this world. So that's a brief summary. To answer Coach Manakon's very important question, yes, listen, we, we've, we've talked about the hagdam of the hagdam, but the introductions of the introductions. It doesn't mean everybody now has the vacas. It doesn't mean everyone has a moon. I can't imagine anyone has really anything. We've talked out some ideas. Like any craft, like any skill set, nobody expects that you open up a, a plat of Gemara and you know how to learn the Gemara of Ashi Tosafas. No one, you know, thinks that, that in, in tefillah that you know the Shemana Esra easily, you know the Halakhas easily. Amuna and tefillah and tikkunamidus is its own sugya. It's its own way of learning. Mahalach. It breaks my heart and many, many rabbis in Everton's heart to just say the truth that it's not really taught in yeshivas. It's not really taught in basiakas and seminaries. We don't learn the avoda shibboleth, the inner work of the heart. And I believe with all my heart, like many Sadiq can do, like the teachings of the Piyazetsna, this is the most important part 
of all inner development, of all connection to uh, to Hashem. It's that this amuna, this inner work of the heart, to fill it with kavana and devakas and tikkunamidas, these are the things we must be teaching to our children. These are the things we must be living within our community. If you like Hasidus, good, it's all of Hasidus. If you don't like Hasidus, good, this is everything you saw to discuss in Musa. This is what the Ramchal discusses. There's, there's countless parts of our tradition which bring light and, and, and emphasize the importance of the shivas. That, that this is this is key as it gets. The the the, the Tatlas of Chaim says the Vilna Gaon is is tikkun amidus, and and we have to do this work. And the more work we do, we really bring the light of Hashem into our hearts. We make a Vilvavi Mishkan Evna. That that this is the avod of Amuna, of bringing the light of the Shekhinah into our hearts, not just into our heads, but into our hearts. All learning is to bring it into the heart. We learn so that we will do because when we do it, it has to come through the heart. The heart is the seed of human motivation, the seed of action. I can know all the truth in the world, but my heart still sabotages me because my, I have to bring the knowledge, the wisdom, the light into my heart. So no one should expect that they can do it all. No one they should expect that we're fixed. We're just clever. We're all sitting here. We're all going through the same challenges. I promise you every single one of them. We're listening to each other and we're talking. And you see the beauty of, of what it looks like when, when a person struggles for years, when a person's from for many years, but when something goes into the heart, you see the light come to them. When we do seminars around the world, you see there can be 500 people in a room and one person has that breakthrough and suddenly 499 other people have that breakthrough because we realize what it really looks like when, when, when the Shekhinah comes into you and, and, and opens up people in the deepest, most beautiful way. I used to teach normal Torah. I used to teach, you know, Yushirim and Ashkafa and Musa and all these things. But when I saw what people really needed and I spoke to Rabbanim and I spoke to Siddiquim and, and, and I started teaching this around the world and I was like, this is the future of Torah and this is the future of Kali Israel. This is what we should be living. This is the thing that we need to be teaching. We actually even have a teacher training course. You can check out teachelevation.com. We just were about to graduate our 100 Shpiyam teachers from around the world and start a whole new course. Our goal is to get this into schools and, and, and shuls and, and, and Kirov and, and everywhere around the world. So I have nothing to say. Listen, I didn't really sleep last night. I haven't really slept now. All my computers didn't work this morning. All the fancy cameras. So I've been holding this camera the whole time. But, but I want you to know that within every single one of us, there's tremendous light and tremendous shefa and chiyas and blessing and abundance, and it flows within us. And when we enter into that light, into that flow, then we experience so much good and blessing and insight. And we feel Hashem loves us and holds us and is guiding us through everything. Every single one of us, no matter the tsar, the suffering, the trauma we've been through, no matter the challenges we face, physically, emotionally, intellectually, psychologically, logistically, financially, family, it doesn't matter. There's an unbelievable resource within us. And, and what the Siddiquim wanted to know that if you can find out how to access that and bring that into your heart, that is the path of Amuna, and that every kind of blessing turns around. The Siddiquim all say that when we face a challenge and we panic and we're afraid, but we find good in that moment, we find the blessing of the challenge, then Hashem, in response to having the Tachan in Hashem, Hashem takes away the suffering. He takes away the pain. He takes away the challenge. When we have the Amuna during the challenge, Hashem says, wow, you passed the test to find me even here in the darkness. You no longer need the darkness and I will eliminate, eliminate the darkness. I will, I will take away the suffering. I will take away the challenge. A person that has the Tachan and Amuna in Hashem it takes away all the negative things that are happening to them and it turns the darkness itself to light in real time. That is a promise our sages gave us and that is something we're supposed to try and see. From that, we have to realize the challenge is to awaken the darkness so we will transform the darkness to light 
And in return from that, Hashem will take away the challenge and only bring us lives. May you be blessed, not just know that in theory, but to experience in that in your heart, to testify to that to your life and see that truly Hashem was with us. And not only is there Hashem, not only controls everything, but number the middle answer was the correct one, that everything is for the good. So we feel the good. So we find that simcha, and then we know we're aligned. We're not just a tzaddik, we're lots of tzaddik aligned, that everything within me, there's no resistance. There's ain on movado within myself. Everything feels Hashem, loves Hashem, appreciates Hashem, and that is a life of blessing where anything is possible. May be blessed to really know that, see that, experience that, and testify that. I look forward to learning again in future. Over and out, my friends. Thank, Thank you. you. Daniel, good night. See everybody next time. So, Sunday night, same time, same place. Rabbi Shimon Russell, good night. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.